0: Hi,
1: Bobby. Hi, Ken. You want to go for a ride? Sure, Ken. Jump in. I'm a Bobby girl in the Bobby world. Life in plastic, it's fantastic. You can brush my hair, undress me everywhere. Imagination, life is your creation.
2: Come on, Barbie, let's go party. I'm a Barbie girl in the Barbie world. So you got the flavor of the beginning of the episode. I thought long and hard about this. I feel like I
3: got the odor of the episode. Mm-hmm. I don't know about a flavor. We'll find out. Throw back
2: a bottle of
0: <laughs> How do we get through three bottles of wine?
2: <laughs> Throw back three bottles of wine. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to When We Were Young, a podcast that takes your favorite pop culture from your formative years, roughly 1980 to 2000, and shoves them all back in your face once again. In every episode, we take a look back at a piece of pop culture from the past, discussing what it meant to us then, if anything, and then debating whether or not it still holds up now, like Buffy did in our last episode. Movies, music, TV, and more, it's all fair game. I'm Chris, your podcast host most likely to pierce his tongue. It doesn't hurt. It feels fine.
0: I'm Becky. I'm the podcast host most likely to give you everything, all the joy I bring, this I swear, and all that I want from you is a promise you will be there.
3: And I am Seth, the podcast co-host, most likely to see how blue her eyes can be when she says, when she says she loves me.
2: <laughs> well, if you haven't figured it out.
0: <laughs> I don't think anyone's figured it out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Today, we are going track by track through Aqua's 1997 pop Sensation Aquarium, <laughs> featuring oh, such, such songs as Barbie Girl, Roses Are Red, and Lollipop Candyman.
0: Don't lie to the nice people, Chris. All
2: right. No, don't turn off the podcast yet. That was a joke. We are actually doing Now That's What I Call Music, Volume 1, featuring a rather diverse uh, set of musical acts from the poppiest of pop. We're talking Spice Girls and Hanson and the Backstreet Boys to moody alternative acts such as Everclear and Radiohead. And Aqua. <laughs> <laughs> so the Now That's What I Call Music is a series of compact discs. You're going to have
0: to
3: explain this.
2: Yeah, it's a silvery thing. It's like a smaller record.
0: I don't know
3: what's that. I'm sorry, sir. I'm young. What are you talking you about? Know, you know
0: those MP3 things? Yeah. It's physical and it's a circle. Like a physical
3: MP3 physical circle file? And it's a
0: flat circle. Yeah. It's a plate flat circle now, see, thing. See, I've
3: heard time is a flat circle too.
0: <laughs> so are MP3s. Fair
2: enough. So this uh, series actually started in the UK in 1983. So even though we think of these things as a very 90s thing for us in the United States, for the UK they were going on for a little while. Now that's what
3: I call a delayed reaction. <laughs> yeah.
2: So in the UK they are up to the 90s in the series. I think they're on like disc 93 or something. Here we are on six. <laughs> Wait, numerically that's 90s. Yes. Wait a minute.
1: <laughs>
0: We're only on 62?
2: <laughs> We're on 62.
0: I'm yeah. like surprised. I thought it would be
3: more. To be honest, I'm disappointed in America. There is a now deficit that we need to make up against our trading partner, Britain.
2: Well, I think they've Brexited from that kind of competition. Did the Brexit include a now exit? <laughs> it did. Fair enough. Exit. So volume 59, which is only three albums ago, was the first to reach streaming in the United States. (laughs) (laughs) In 2016. So the Now series is perhaps a little behind the curve, which I think we will see as an emerging theme with this collection.
3: (laughs) You don't say. I thought this release... I thought the release year of this was far earlier than it actually was.
2: Yeah. Well, a lot of the songs, you know, came out and then... And then came out on this. (laughs) Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. But before we get into that, we have a new review on iTunes. Reviews Corner. We would like to encourage you to always leave us reviews, preferably many, many stars, as many stars as you can fit in there. Uh, One star is simply not enough. Two is pretty poor. Three is average. Don't do average. We ask you for at least a 4G of stars true so this week's five star review comes from chipper 327 and he says this is such a fun thing to listen to while on a road trip i try not to miss any episode i'm a little older than the target audience so he's at least 30 um wow i can't even imagine that because
0: we're only 12 years old right <laughs> well, <still> in diapers. <laughs>
3: oh, this is getting creepier as it goes along. <laughs> am I supposed to be a zygote? What am I? We're in
0: full denial of how old we are.
3: <laughs>
2: Absolutely. That's healthy, though, Becky. That's it's healthy. Denial, the podcast. <laughs> That's coping. I'm a little older than the target audience, but it's fun to hear people discuss that time in my life. Plus, Chris sounds pretty dreamy. Keep up the good work.
0: I think this is someone Chris knows in This real is life. my mom. No,
2: it's not my mom. It may or may not be someone I know, though. Ah. But, yes, thank you for the review, Chipper. And hopefully the rest of you will continue to leave us reviews as well, which are very kind and also say nice things about me.
3: Yeah, I encourage you to call as many of us dreamy as possible. I, for one, know that Becky is dreamy.
0: Thank you, Seth.
3: I literally dreamed. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> great reciprocity there, Becky. <laughs> awesome, awesome compatriot.
2: I've had several nightmares about Seth, so... <laughs> He's so that's dreamy in a dreamy. way. kind of Yeah. yeah.
0: I'd like yeah. to let the dreamy, audience know. Dreamy, stabby,
2: but dreamy nonetheless.
0: I'd like to let the audience know we've gone through three
3: bottles of wine before. <laughs> yeah. to we don't let podcast. the audience know that. No, we don't need to let the audience in on our process. <laughs> they will they will perceive this through the course of the episode. <laughs> they don't need well, to Well, we anymore.
2: just wanted to get to the same state that the people who picked the Now That's What I <laughs> <laughs> Call Music yeah. series were when they we selected need, what tracks
3: yeah, were. Yeah, we had to get into the mind of the curatorial geniuses behind this.
2: So, if you were around in the 90s watching TRL and whatnot, you probably remember seeing commercials for Now That's What I Call Music, which encouraged you to call them and order this CD. Now! Yeah, that was a thing.
3: That was kind of part of the whole thing. Now! Now! There's never been a music collection like this before.
1: Until now, on CD or cassette. Order. Call the number on your
2: screen or send check or money order for the amount shown plus shipping and handling. Must be 18 or older to call. So we will take a look at that and other music you could get over the phone before there was actual music on your phone, such as Jock Jams and Pure Moods. Buckle up, it's going to be a bumpy night.
3: I owned all three of these CDs we're going to talk about today. <laughs> I owned none of them, but I memorized
2: the track list by heart. We often like to get started with a more general question that takes us back to our innocent youths, or in Becky's case,
0: <laughs> not so innocent.
2: Filthy. <laughs> would would you call that a return to innocence? So that was our pure moods impression that we've been doing all night. <laughs> it's a pure impression. But today for the opening question, I just want to talk about how we actually listen to music. How did you discover new music? What did you listen to it on? And maybe how did that evolve as you got older?
0: I had a Walkman. Definitely, that was my first thing.
2: And what is a Walkman? <laughs> for those of us who are too young to It's where a moment, cassette
0: tape goes into the thing. Is that a kind of things? Jewish
2: musical instrument, a, a Walkman?
0: A cassette tape goes into- Cassette. Cassette with an A-side and a B-side goes into the thing. And then you have to manually fast forward or rewind. Then I remember when I upgraded to a disc man, and then I remember when I upgraded to a disc man that like wouldn't skip. That was like a feature. It's like un, a skip non-skippable, skip-proof, yes. skip or whatever yeah, the they buffer. labeled it as. Um, so you could like go running with it without it skipping. Otherwise, the other disc mans you had to like lay flat. <laughs> God,
3: and they would, I and feel they would so advertise old. Them. You
2: have a servant carry them behind. I you feel while you're so
0: reading. old talking about this, but it doesn't seem weird. But now, just knowing where we are now, it feels so weird to like talk
3: about walkmans and well, i had
2: a whole spans. team of four behind me carrying a phonograph <laughs> as i went running so
3: oh i only run with wax cylinders i don't know about your kind of new technology here.
0: as far as discovering new music i've never really listened to the radio my whole life i've never been like a radio listener but my i mean my older sister she's the one that collected cds she's four years older than me and anytime i went outside of the realm of Disney or Broadway. It was something in her danger giant
1: zone. In, <laughs> <the> danger <laughs> zone. It was in her
0: um giant uh like CD holder that was like a booklet thing that ha- that hold- held like maybe like two hundred CDs. Um Right now, I have my own, and it's under my bed, and it's just covered in dust (laughs) until I like uncovered it for uh, to release. Now that's what I call music and pure moods. My my version of that is
3: in the corner of the room, (laughs) right? Exactly. Yeah.
0: Um. But Uh I remember that's how I got into Ben Folds, uh, like Ben Folds Five, um, Aerosmith, Nirvana, like anything that was kind of big when I was around. Yeah. Um. (laughs) Anytime I was around, you know, like age thirteen through like. I don't know, 15, whenever my sister was actually around. like Anytime I discovered actual music, <laughs> it was through my sister.
3: Okay, and Seth? So I had stages of my life um, where new kinds of music got to me in different ways. Um, mostly cassette-based, though, like cassette and CD. Um, so like cassette-wise, I, so I listen mostly to classical music or Disney music until I was
2: probably 10 or 11. We've discussed this many times. We <laughs> <about> this. This, <laughs> we've discussed this.
3: We've
0: unfurled most Disney of the stories. Disney music story. was
2: our gateway drug. Yeah, I think
0: it. it's funny that all three of us are like, yep, we had Disney music <laughs> as, well, as the see, basis of our was, love mine of music. Mine was classical
3: Disney and also Andrew Lloyd Webber. And Andrew Lloyd Webber got to me through CDs because I would hear the Broadway recordings and then I would seek out and go see the plays wherever I could see them mm-hmm. performed. Um, and, but then there were a couple key moments in my musical, where my musical taste was really broadened really quickly because of, like, literally a couple cassettes. So, one of them was, um, I had, uh, friends of the family who are, like, my God family in Springdale, Arkansas, and I would go up and hang out with them, like, in the summer sometimes with my family, um... And I listened to Garth Brooks with them. Oh it was like a cassette of Garth Brooks and the song "Friends in Low Places totally blew my mind. Um, and like so and then the other cassette was at a summer camp, like again, around like ten or eleven years old. Um, a friend that I went to camp with made me a mix cassette, like a mixtape, of Beatles songs. And it was the first time I had heard the Beatles, uh, and that also completely blew my mind. Uh, and then f- I found out that my parents had Beatles on CD, so that got me started listening to the Beatles as a band. So, so yeah, I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with this. Um, they were some lovable lads from Liverpool. Oh. Back in the old days when music came on physical things, there were men with long hair who played instruments.
2: They sound like troublemakers to me.
3: They kind of were, but again, also lovable ads. I had connections with a lot of different physical ways of listening to music, and whether it was kind of listening to uh, albums that I bought in the store, Or listening to kind of tapes of things that my friends would record for me or just play for me, that's one of the biggest ways that I would discover new music. And of course, like when music became distributed online, I got on that as quickly as I could. Like I was a really early adopter of MP3s. And one of the first bands I really got into was the Smashing Pumpkins. And I got to listen to a lot of concerts and stuff that I never could have ever possibly seen in my life by seeking out music only online
2: yeah so i had a cassette player when i was a kid i remember specifically my salmon pink cassette player holder that had all of the disney movies soundtracks in order of you know what year they were released salmon pink but i remember getting my first cd player I think it was a birthday gift. I was probably maybe fourteen or fifteen, and it was a twenty-five disc changer. Whoa! Oh, you got the changer? Yeah. Whoa! It was pretty awesome. So t- to me, that felt like a big move toward independence because I could suddenly listen to my own music in my own room, and my parents didn't necessarily know what I was listening to, which it wasn't that scandalous. But that seemed like a big moment for me. Is just like I have my own music here. Yeah. Like, getting no one first... else is hearing what I'm hearing hmm. right now.
3: Getting my first, like, Iowa stereo was a really big, like, milestone in my life. That's true. Like, a lot of my, kind of, music discovery moments happened with that. Like, in being able to listen to music alone.
2: Absolutely. So, as we get into this discussion of this uh, phenomenon of ordering CDs uh, over the phone, I would like to just briefly take us back to the history of music. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 briefly.
0: Beethoven! Oh. Briefly. <laughs>
2: No, there's. you'll see where I'm going with this. So instruments were the technology of music for thousands of years, and they were the only way to hear music for a very long time. It's like you would have to listen to it while someone was playing it. Then in the late 1800s, you get the phonograph, and if you want to hear a particular song, you could actually buy it and, and have a physical copy, and you did not have to hire musicians to come to you in your home. And then, you know, radio is invented, and then you get TV. These were all very distinct mediums at the time. And the devices and the ways we consume these things were different. A record was always very different from a film strip, for example, and they got more and more similar as time went on. So music went to cassette tapes at the same time that movies went to VHS tapes, which are more and more similar. And then we moved to CDs and DVDs, which were even more similar than VHS tapes and cassette tapes. And then in 1981, we got MTV, which mixed music and TV together. And it was basically like listening to the radio on your TV, um, playing music videos, which was kind of like mixing film and music so by the time you get to the 90s yeah we're listening to cds and so what got me to thinking of this was that the now albums were something that you would watch commercials for on your tv and it asked you to pick up the phone and order the cd that would then be mailed to you so that you could listen to the music on your cd player so even though it was a bunch of different devices it was kind of the same idea that we have now with now we just get our music on our phone pull up iTunes and we just download it onto our phone. But it's interesting. It was interesting to me to think of this as like the first example of us getting music on our phones, even though it was a much more delayed reaction. Hmm, Interesting. And now everything is digital and our TV and our movies and our music are all pretty much the exact same thing. They're all just files. Um, They're MP3 or M4V or whatever. But we play them on, on the same device. It's on our TV generally or on our phone or something. So I think we as millennials, we tend to think of digital as the big change. But what this made me think of was just that it's always been going this way. Like everything has always been consolidating in technology. And now it's just kind of reached this place where things are even more similar. And now, I don't know, eventually, you know, we might just have one thing and it'll be even more consolidated.
3: I mean, not to get too political, like too quickly. Um, I think now that's what I call music is the end result of capitalism destroying and eating the soul of music and <laughs> turning a it,
1: very and big turning statement.
3: It, and turning it into this kind of random product that consists only of things that have previously succeeded on their own merits. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a compilation CD that has literally no rhyme or reason other than the fact that the songs like succeeded on a commercial profit level. Um, it has nothing to do with the quality of the music, the the kind of the music, the... literally any artistic or cultural level like it's not a mixtape that my friend made me it's not
0: it's a mixtape that the uh studio heads at whatever you know corporation is is making you (laughs) and you and a million other people
3: (laughs) right but not well but they're not even making it from what they like they're making it from what has already sold very well they like it because it made money (laughs) exactly exactly that's the basis on which they're evaluating the merit or which artists they want to push on you that too which of their products they want to pitch more but are you
0: expecting anything
3: else than that um i expect something else than that from music (laughs)
0: But from a compilation, I think the theme of, now that's what I call music, is basically just, this is what was popular this year. Maybe two or three tracks are artists we want to be bigger, so we're throwing them in with the rest, hoping you will buy this album.
3: But I'm saying that that's a reflection of something. That's a reflection of a system where the creation and curation of music is done just by the number of units that have been pushed already. Rather than what it's absolutely, like, actually worth musically in the culture.
2: It's absolutely not curated based on anything but popularity. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in this era, like I was as likely to turn on the TV for music and watch TRL as I was to listen to the radio. I listened to the radio too. But I think we grew up thinking of media already being kind of mixed. Like there was music on our TVs, you know, things were very integrated already. Whereas like, I think, you know, a few decades beforehand, it was things were a little bit more different. Um, so I think that takes us back to a couple of particular albums. If you ever turned on a TV at any point in the mid or late nineties, I can pretty much guarantee you saw a commercial for Pure Moods.
0: Oh yes. Or Jock
2: Jams or both. So oh, man. please get your yoga pants and Birkenstocks on. <laughs> we are going to listen to a clip from Pure Moods.
3: Wait, I brought my parachute
2: pants, not my... That just won't do. Are you going to play okay, the, don't don't... the commercial? Mm-hmm.
1: Imagine a world <laughs> where time drifts slowly. The unicorn. Don't say
3: we didn't need video. The unicorn was worth it. Experience pure moods the perfect soundtrack to your
2: way of life. Direct from Europe. Oh my god. What if we call the
0: number right millions.
2: now who would pick up? Uh, that was one of my. <laughs> <laughs> oh my I was say <laughs> <laughs> I have that in my notes that we are going to Okay, do.
0: guys, we're we're watching the Pure Moods commercial and it says 800 283 2751. We're going to call the number right now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mood well, 2-day express delivery 800-283. available. 283 Two, seven, five,
0: one. It's 1-800. It's not going to be somebody's, like, home. Hello, this is
3: Pure Moods. <laughs> this is Mr. Moods. moods. <laughs> the Moods household speaking. We're having dinner right now.
0: Oh, it's totally not going to... This is going to be a
3: disappointment <laughs> if nothing happens. Can just Come on, Pure Moods, don't <laughs> let me down. I need pure moods. (laughs) I want today express delivery. I need the moods now. And I need them pure. Oh, no one's picking up. Oh, oh, Aw, alright. Well I was happen.
2: gonna call the now that's what I call music.
1: <laughs> okay, we'll do that later.
0: We'll do that later. Alright, that's not gonna happen. It would have gone a voicemail by now.
2: What do you think? They're busy.
0: Uh, <laughs> do you they may be busy. Seth play the rest of the commercial.
2: <laughs> you missed the it's best part of the commercial. The treasures of, of tubular bells.
3: Tubular bells. Or take a
2: trip into the unknown <laughs> with the X-Files
3: theme.
0: No, no other okay. gives you the feeling of pure moods. $18 for
3: that CD. $18. 18 pure moods. Call the number on your screen or send check or money order for the amount shown, plus shipping and handling. Rush delivery sure. available. I call now.
0: I remember wanting to order Uh, The CD from the commercial, but I just never did that or my mom wouldn't let me. But I remember when I saw Pure Moods actually in a record store, I was like, ah, and I picked it up and I snatched it then. Like, I I wanted it for a
2: while. I was going to ask you about that. So we just watched the Pure Moods commercial. We tried to call the number; it did not work. Apparently, <laughs> no,
3: tragically,
2: there are too many people clamoring for Pure Moods at the moment. <laughs> so Pure Moods was released by Virgin Records first in 1994 in the UK, and then re-released in 1997. And I think that's the one that we mm-hmm. remember. Mm-hmm. Um, there are nine Pure Moods CDs, including such titles as Scottish Moods and Instrumental Moods. <laughs> so there's lots of cultural appropriation going on. A lot of moods too. <laughs> So, as we were preparing for this podcast, I was listening to the Pure Moods CD at a Starbucks. (laughs) That's appropriate. That feels appropriate, yeah. Yeah, that feels right. Well, yeah, that's because I was actually (laughs) embarrassed that I was listening to this in public because the (laughs) music that they were playing at Starbucks was cooler than what I was listening to. (laughs) Oh, my God. I was like, God, I hope no one knows that I'm just, like, sitting here listening to Pure Moods.
0: I feel like Pure Moods is the type of music that plays in a candle store.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
3: (laughs) Or in a colonic clinic. (laughs) What? <laughs> like you're really going to get your pipe strained. Oh you want God. some Enya. You want to pump the ironical flow. Enya for your enema. Yes, exactly. The Enya-enema. Eny- enigma
0: Enyama. and Enya, Enyama. the enema.
3: <laughs> the enema enigma do. is also on this soundtrack.
2: <laughs> yeah. In the, in the enema. So at this Starbucks, songs that they literally actually played while I was sitting there were Love Lift Us Up... <laughs> And Take My Breath Away, and they were still oh cooler God. than what I was listening to.
0: Pure Moods doesn't have to be cool, man.
3: just got to right. be pure. So it
2: sure isn't. Yeah. So, you yeah. saved
3: that shit for cool moods. I did have
2: at least, like, 17 epiphanies, like, while I was sitting there listening have, Wait, to wow. it, do you
3: have Pure
0: Moods in your past? Like, is this new to you, the <laughs> CD? Or did you own this what's
3: your it? history with pure moods Chris I had, cause, cause I own this CD my moods were all the way through I suspect it was I,
0: much I owned this CD I even like that cover art is very meaningful to me because I painted it like I had it up in my <laughs> in my room on my wall like my whole life <laughs> like so I like know that cover very well
3: we've seen Becky's other arts (laughs) but we have not seen the pure moods I don't know
0: where it
2: went where's the picture of me and the pure moods (laughs) (laughs) that was gonna be my next question to be honest is I was (laughs) listening to this and being like why would you buy this Becky
1: okay okay I have I
0: think what I think was I liked music that I could do my homework to (laughs)
3: And it wasn't distracting. Why did they not call this Dang. And I, I didn't want to do my Pure homework in home silence. I,
0: th- I think that's a reason. You know what I also think it was? I really liked movies and there were some movie themes. Um, there Pure was the, the Exorcist theme, the theme from the piano, which I really liked, the X-Files mega remix. <laughs> um... <laughs> I didn't like Twin Peaks, but Twin Peaks was on it. It just felt like it was, like, Mm -hmm. movie-related. And I think that probably is what suckered me into it.
2: Listening to this, I was wondering, how many people lost their virginity to pre (laughs) 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 And if so, did they ever get past Tubular Bells? (laughs) Nope.
3: No one's ever lasted past Tubular Bells. That's like track five. (laughs) Might as well be the last
2: track on the album. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I just like that this is called Pure Moods, but it's, like... What mood are you in when you want to listen to (laughs) both Enya and The Exorcist theme? (laughs) Like, what mood is that? That is not a pure mood. That's a very mixed mood. That is
3: such a, it's a mixed, at best, possibly schizophrenic mood. I mean, there are songs of terror on here. There are songs (laughs) of sexual ecstasy. There are songs of just Native American chanting. Um, and none of those kind of offer up one cohesive story
2: of what I'm supposed to be feeling right now. Whether that mood is pure or not, what mood is it? Well, I mean, you've got Enya, and that's kind of an inspirational mood, like a, a calming mood. And then you have your mother sex cocks in hell,
0: <laughs> which is a little less
2: peaceful, I have to say.
0: There's yeah. a very erotic track on here. I forgot. Oh, Shaw Shadanus. Yeah, (laughs) sadness. What is
1: it? I
0: swear that that track was like in some like, it was an erotic scene in some movie because every time I hear it, I think of like eroticism.
3: I think it's been every erotic scene in every movie. The Spice Channel bought it outright and just played it in all of their movies. (laughs) The Spice Channel Channel bought a lifetime royalty, (laughs) a license to last forever.
0: So the the song by Enya, Orinoco Flow. Which, everyone, away, which is basically sail away, sail, away. sail away. I have a funny story about that one, is that I didn't know until way too late <laughs> that this was, uh, first of all, it's called Orinoco Flow, not Sail Away. It is, what it I, is. What I, thought, I did not know that. What I thought they were singing was Save the Whales, Save the Whales.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know they were singing Sail Away.
2: <laughs> all right, we're we going to play a clip of sail away right now so save that you world, can hear world, if it sounds like Save the
1: Whales. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so you thought it was called Orca Flow?
1: <laughs> I thought it was called Save the Whales. <laughs> the orca Flow.
0: I'm <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs>
1: Well, the well. Do you hear it? The
2: <laughs> whales, they don't, don't the the it enough for it. To they don't save the whales. They don't don't. They, they don't,
0: don't enough. I gotta... <laughs> you hear it, don't
3: you? <laughs> no. I don't hear it. I want to hear it so badly. <laughs> oh my god, okay. Alright, we get it. I <laughs>
2: That was Orca Flow, parentheses, <laughs> save the whales. <laughs> so I love that this commercial has rush delivery available, as if, like, I need if now. like, my mood is so impure, I need this in two days. I cannot wait for the standard week for this to be delivered. Oh, man. Like, this music is not... <laughs> Bad exactly. It's just really randomly arranged.
0: Yeah, I mean, I listened to it again, and I honestly, honestly loved this album when I was younger. And I just, I don't get it. But you were outs-
2: really into whales. I guess so. so.
0: Like, I don't. I, I think, I think it was the homework thing, guys. I feel like it really must have been. I needed calm, relaxed. A lot music. of marine
2: biology
3: homework. <laughs> <there>. <laughs> but see, like, again, I, I know it's getting, I know it's getting uppity very early on, but. Like, this is the end result of having the method by which you curate music being, like, how many units did it sell? Like, all of the songs on this had a large degree of commercial success, like, in one genre or another. But, like, it's only through the lens of, like, what is already sold before and could conceivably be thought of as, like, moody... Mm-hmm. Like it's only through that random a grab bag that something like that actual track list could be assembled.
2: It feels a little less commercial to me than it does in the now that's what I call music or something. Like this feels to me like I just bought my first Buddha.
3: <laughs> like I no, need but that's something thing. to
2: meditate to and I only know these ten songs. <laughs> no,
3: no, but you're hitting on exactly what I'm talking about because that is its own market. That's a it's a specific like subset of a market but it's just as based around shitty merchandise and ceramic buddhas and random new agey music mix cds
2: i mean that's what's nice about the era we live in now is you can curate your own mix of these things at this time like i guess i have to cut them some slack because you couldn't You couldn't curate your own, like, mix of this kind of music unless you went out and bought all of these albums and then mixed them together. So I guess if you really wanted this kind of a mood that was this pure, like, this was kind of your only option if you wanted to do your homework or, you know, have an Ewok party. (laughs) Because I feel like this is kind of just Ewok music.
3: Yeah, this is like the Yub Yub mix CD. Mm -hmm. It really is. So that Pure moves us yub yub.
2: into jock jams, which was... Are you ready for this? <laughs> I am not, <laughs> but I have no choice.
3: Let me see that Tootsie Roll. Here you go. Oh, well, it's, it's the regular shape.
2: It's a vanilla Tootsie <laughs> Roll.
3: <laughs> Orca flow. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's all the pure moods we have time for today.
3: (laughs) I have time for many more pure moods.
2: So that brings us into Jock Jams, which was released July 1995 on Tommy Boy Records. It is a collection of every song you never want to hear again for the rest of your (laughs) life. Unless you're
0: playing, like, a juvie basketball game.
2: (laughs) Yes. It is an album made exclusively for the world's laziest cheerleaders. (laughs) Who could not bother to find their own soundtracks? Like, so I looked at the covers of all of these (laughs) Jock Jam CDs. They're all women on all of the covers, even though it's called Jock Jams. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and
0: they're all like cheerleader kind of. Yeah. I mean, it's called Jock Jams, but like, this is for women who want to like work out and have something to work out to. That's what, that's why I bought it, you know, when I was a teenager. Like, you play it at home and you're like dancing and you're working out to this music.
2: Oh, I thought you had to slit your (laughs) wrist. Oh, God.
0: To the left, to the left, it's to the right, to
2: the right.
0: It's it's marketed for women, I think.
2: Really? I, no, I oh, think that's, that's true. Okay. But-
3: so this is another like weird fucking window onto my personal music history. Because at the around the same time in my life when like I heard Garth Brooks and when I started getting into Andrew Lloyd Webber, um, I went to summer camp at the school I went to elementary school. For- so
2: you just went to school in the summer.
3: Yes, Okay. I did. I yes. just wanted to clear that up. Yeah, thanks for spelling that out for everyone. Yeah. Uh, I continued to go to school throughout the other parts of the year where there was not school. But at summer camp, they played the Jock Jams CD, and it was one of the first times I heard something on CD. Um, so, But there were, like, a couple of summers in probably 95, 90s... What year was it released?
2: July 95.
3: Yeah, it Was it was either... That summer, ninety five or maybe ninety six.
2: So they got the rush delivery, basically. <laughs> I think they got
3: the rush delivery. Uh, I don't know if they if, if they also had pure moods at at the household uh, of my friends who listened to that. Um, but I I don't remember exactly who the friends were. But it was someone someone had a Walkman and someone brought Jock jams one day, and then for the rest of that summer, we just listened to it all the time, like doing group activities it was it was seriously terrible really re-listening to it solidified for me that jock jams shows that there's an entire genre of music that is just one song these are not separate songs but rather they are all the same song
2: ladies and gentlemen welcome to the main event
3: Y'all ready for this?
2: Yeah, so for those who are not super familiar with Jock Jam, some of the tracks included are Everybody Dance Now, Tootsie Roll, YMCA, Pump Up the Jam, Woomp, There It Is.
0: They're all dance songs. Like, they'd be good for, like, an aerobics class kind of dance songs. A
3: water aerobics.
0: Or something to, like, pump you up during, like, a sports game, like...
2: The second disc has the Macarena on it, so Mm. I mean, at least you were spared that if you only bought the first one. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like wedding music, I guess, but a horrible (laughs) wedding.
3: Yeah, certain weddings that you want to leave quickly. It's so
2: generic. I mean, it was generic even at the time, but I think now it's just painfully generic. We kind of have already gone into this a little bit, but what is your history with Now That's What I Call Music and the rest of these kinds of albums? Like I owned that-
0: all three. I owned all three of these that we're talking about. But did
2: you order any of them over the phone?
0: No, uh, I don't think so. My sister was. God, what was that club called?
2: Columbia House. Columbia House. My sister did that.
0: Music was more my sister's thing, so she was more into like CDs and bands.
2: Was she a member of Columbia House? I think so. Yeah. Ooh, Um, she was in the house.
0: Yeah, and I think I was just more into compilations. If not, if not the Broadway CDs, then it was more like the Disney compilations and. I think I just wanted my music curated for me because I wasn't much of a radio listener, and so mm. I think that's what those compilations are for. They're for people that just kind of want their music handed to them. And I've never really been much of a, like, a person that discovers music, even when I was a music reviewer for three years, and so I kind of had to do that as part of my job. But outside of that, like i have not one to go listen to bands that I don't feel are, are already have a stamp of approval in some way. I remember... Freshman year of college, like you, Chris, are the one that like gave me a lot of song suggestions and like bands and stuff. Like I think I like people telling me like you should listen to this as opposed to me looking for it. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's just how it's always been. So I liked those
2: compilation CDs. And Seth, did you ever listen to any of these? So as I
3: said, I definitely listened to Jock Jams. Um, I this was a point in my life when I started listening to both country radio and kind of top forty. Pop radio. Um, And so I never listened to Now That's What I Call Music as a CD, but I heard most of the songs on that compilation that are kind of even remotely connected with pop and especially pop rock. It would be hard not to have
2: heard it, most of
3: these. Yes, like, really, yeah. if if I had walked into a drugstore, <laughs> I would have heard most of these anyway, like between the years of 1995 and 1998.
0: I, w- I was surprised how many of these songs like I actually remembered because I thought they would be like, what's that song? Or I don't remember that. But maybe I don't know if
3: that's... Um, the real surprise for me was uh-huh. the few songs that I had definitely never heard in my whole life. Hmm. hmm.
0: See, I thought they would be more, like, way back, like, trying to make something happen and it's not going to happen.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
0: but most of them are—I they I don't want to say they stand the test of time, but, like, you they, they've them, got enough of a hook that you remember that they existed. Yeah.
2: So it's hard to remember that back in the day, you if you wanted to listen to a song that you liked, you had to actually tape it off the radio mm-hmm. or buy the album that it was on on a CD And that was usually a gamble because you didn't necessarily know if any other song on that album was good. A lot of times, like I know that I bought CDs for one song, and then the rest of the CD would kind of suck. And I was like, oh, I only wanted that one song. That was a waste of $13 or $15. But on the other hand, like I also discovered a lot of bands that I really liked by buying a single and then being like, hey, their whole album's good. Mm -hmm. Now there's so much less of that because you can preview songs online. Um, So at the time, I think these compilation CDs did solve a problem for people because if you were to buy every song on Now That's What I Call Music, you would have to buy 17 different Mm -hmm. albums and that's, you know, like $200.
0: It's a problem that doesn't exist anymore. So that's why it's funny that these compilation CDs still exist because Mm -hmm. I don't feel like they're necessary. Just go to iTunes and cherry pick the songs you want.
3: Yeah, or have an algorithm pick a mix of songs for you. That's what Spotify and Pandora and all of those are. Is you mean there, instead of
0: now that's what I call music being like yeah, buy it's, these?
3: You um you can literally get any kind of mix you would yeah. ever want now for free instantaneously.
2: But I'm looking at now that's what I call music volume sixty one on iTunes uh-huh. right now. Is that it's, the most recent? Yeah, it's seven ninety nine and you get twenty two songs. So In terms of price, if you really Let's see what's
0: on it. Oh, God, I'm not going to know any of these people. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I don't know anyone. Literally
2: count how many songs you know off of the CD.
0: Okay, I know Bruno Mars, but I don't know that song. No, you don't. I know Maroon 5. I don't know that song. I know Ariana Grande. I know DJ Snake. The Weeknd. Fifth Harmony I've heard of. Oh, my God. I used to fucking review music, and I don't know any of these people. (laughs) JoJo I've heard of. Oh man, I am out of it. I am out of it, man. So, do you know
2: any single song on, like the song, like the actual song? Do you? Know, could you sing me any of these songs?
0: None of them. Not one. But I.
2: Okay. I am not. But I'm, do not, better. I'm not. Oh, I'm not. This. even gonna ask. I feel you. like no, this.
0: <laughs> I, I feel like they're not targeting me. I, I don't know if I'm supposed <laughs> to know any of Becky this. Becky is shook by this. I am. I am.
2: Right, so I wonder if that's a difference in us having gotten older. Yeah. Or is that a difference in what this CD has become? I mean, I it still has a picture.
0: I've heard of some of I the people. I just don't know those songs.
2: I have a feeling we would know a lot of these songs if they were just played for us, and we would be like, okay, yeah, I've heard that song Debatable. before. Debatable. <laughs> but they're not as iconic to us as the songs on no. Now. One are because... That was what everyone was listening to. And I, now it's like music is very segmented and you can really curate your own taste in music. You don't have to listen yeah. to the radio, the top 40. I mean, back then there used to be like a few radio stations so you could listen to like the rock station or the pop station, but still you are kind of hearing all the same music. And now there, I just don't think that, songs are as ubiquitous as they used to be.
0: Do you know? I've just thought of a random memory that I feel like is rel- relevant to what we're talking about. I was with my friend Chrissy and I was in her room and it was like eighth or ninth grade and she was telling me about this band called Tool. I've never <laughs> heard of them at the time. And she was telling me about this band called Rasputina and all these like rock alternative bands that were not, you know, not played on the radio. And I at the time did not realize that music was that big. I thought what was on the radio was with the music that was made.
2: <laughs> like I wow. didn't I didn't like
0: understand
2: that there was more music. That
0: there was more music, that there were bands out there. You know, I just like I was like what do you mean Tool? Like they're not on the radio? Like they probably were on alternative stations not or maybe not. I was just like I didn't they haven't been put on the list. I didn't understand that like music was that big. Like I thought music was just if, if it was made, it was on the radio, on the pop stations, or, you know, the, the major stations, and that was it.
2: And this was last year?
0: <laughs> it was, like, yeah. I think it was around eighth grade. Okay. So, I don't know. That was just a random memory that uh,
3: I was so, wrong. <laughs> so when they rescued you from the cult.
2: <laughs> so I don't know how they did things where you came from, <laughs> but where I come from, which was Seattle, there were a KISS 106.1 people. And there were KNDD 107.7 The End people. Oh, shit. The End, son. And they did not mesh. Oh, I don't know. And the weird thing to me about these now music CDs is that they mesh those two things. Like, they have the rock songs and they have the pop songs. And I can't really imagine anyone who likes every single song on a now. That's what I call music. Like, there's always... They're so incongruous. Yeah,
0: because it's not totally pop, and it's not totally like
2: pop rock. No, and it's just I don't know
0: who. Who's gonna like Radiohead
2: and Aqua? Who's (laughs) gonna like (laughs) Casey and JoJo and Harvey Danger? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, seriously. Like it's it's kind of like for people with no taste who just will like anything generic that's thrown at them. It's like here's the songs. It's probably here's all the songs that you need. A lot of people. I guess so. It's
0: probably me when I was that age, honestly. Like, my taste, you know, didn't develop for a while. I was just like, okay, that's on the radio or that's over here. Well, oh, and right. You know
3: what? Like, I, cause I remembered um, the All My Life song, like, every word of that fucking song. Wait, I, All My oh, Life? The, we'll get in there. All My Life. Oh, okay. okay. Like, I knew every word of that song because I, that's when I was listening to the radio. So it's like, yeah, like, I, I had, I think, as, Raw a set of tastes in music as you did, it's just that I was hearing them on the radio in the form of the hits that they were before they were on that
2: Mm -hmm. compilation. Yeah, I mean these are arranged very randomly. I feel like I don't. I was trying to figure out what was the rhyme and reason. No, it's not
3: just that they're like included randomly. They're arranged so so badly.
2: Yeah, I mean I think I have some more specific notes on like why does this song go into this song, but it's just like. I cannot figure out, like, who was arranging this and what they were trying to do unless it was just, like, drawing straws. I remember even when this CD and, like, the couple of sequels that came out when I was in high school that I was actually aware of came out, like, the music was already pretty old. Like, it had already been a big hit and you were mm-hmm. already sick of it by the time the CD came out.
3: Yes. It's not just that those had been big hits, but, like, everyone was sick of them. Yeah, yeah. Everyone was, yeah.
0: But I think I wanted to own those singles because looking down the list, besides maybe the Spice Girls, I don't think I owned one of those albums. So maybe those were the the tracks that I was like, oh, I'm interested in owning that one.
2: I see. I would have already bought those albums if I wanted the songs that badly. And by this time, I was just like, nope, I never want to hear that again. I feel like these should be called, like, that's what I called music six months ago. Because (laughs) (laughs) it is not a now kind of thing. It's not, like, discovering, like, the latest and greatest. It's discovering what was popular six months ago and now repackaging it for you. Now that they've gotten, they probably bled dry all of the sales they could get out of the actual album. And now now they'll let you have this. Now that the album is done selling.
0: They do that a lot with, um, like, best of albums or mm-hmm. like best like biggest hits kinds of albums it's like why would i buy a best of album of this band if i own all of their other albums but it's not for the fans it's for people casual, that, casual people yeah. that are like oh i like that one and that one so i'll buy this best of
2: mm-hmm. all right so that'll bring us into our main discussion of now that's what i call music volume one which Woo! was released <laughs> october 27th 1998 So I will set the scene for you in the fall of 1998.
1: (laughs) A little company
2: called Google was founded in Menlo Park, California by two Stanford graduates. Former wrestler Jesse Ventura was elected governor of Minnesota, which would be the very final (laughs) time a celebrity who rose to fame for something that has nothing to do with politics would be elected to a major office. Uh Thank
3: goodness we learned our lesson.
2: And Bill Clinton was impeached.
3: (laughs) Thank goodness we learned our lesson.
2: So Pleasantville was number one at the box office. ER was at the top of the TV ratings, and Monica was at the top of the music charts. Also at yeah. the top of the Friends chart. Wait, wait, with
0: the Boys Mine or what?
2: No, it was some other song. I oh, didn't okay. remember it very well. Uh, this album is ranked as number two of all. Now that's what I call music albums by BuzzFeed, the reputable <laughs> source <laughs> that that is. Um, they can't even
3: count straight.
2: So I guess we'll just go into the first track, which is Together Again by Janet Jackson.
1: There are times when I look above and beyond There are times when I feel you smile my-
2: So that was Together Again by Janet Jackson, which was released in December 1997 as a single. I find that it's a weird opener for this kind of album. It doesn't really set the tone, but I think I don't think
0: any of the songs would set the tone, though. The tone's all over the
2: place. there
3: is no tone, (laughs) but the sucking sound of (laughs) profit.
0: I really miss Janet Jackson, and I like this song. I think peak Janet Jackson is just so great, and she's not really around anymore. And I think around this era is when I liked her the most. Like she had a song runaway that was similar in tone and just this vibe when she had that nose ring in and her hair was crazy. I think I just love this Janet the Jackson Velvet Rope tour. Yeah. Like just, yeah. I think right before velvet rope, like I just um, really like her and I so like the song. I really
3: like her. I, I do like this song. I do think that most Janet Jackson singles go on about a minute and a half too long. Uh, And this is no exception. Um, She did come out with an album, like, middle to late last
2: year.
0: It's just, I mean, as far as, like, relevancy and people talking about it. um, Right. I mean, maybe it's great. I haven't checked it out.
2: Yeah, this was from The Velvet Rope. And this was track 11 on The Velvet Rope, which I feel makes sense. Because it just seems kind of like more like a wind down song. It really does, The Velvet Rope was kind
0: of like, I don't know the word to describe it like
2: i've never heard the album itself but i haven't either yeah it just doesn't feel like a great like let's get this party started kind of song it's more of a oh it's just kind of like there i don't i i find the song kind of bland like it's okay it's, it's like not lovely
0: that. and simple it's like okay it's nice
2: Yeah, but this song did spend two weeks at number one on the chart. So this is actually one of the biggest hits on this album. So I guess maybe that's one of the rationales behind why it's number one. Even though I wouldn't have guessed that this was one of the bigger hits on this album. She
0: was probably one of the bigger artists on this album. Mm -hmm. I think
2: that's definitely true. So a little bit of trivia about this song—it's about AIDS. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, did not know that. <laughs>
2: yeah, um, it was originally written as a ballad inspired by the Last Dance, and then they ended up making it into more of a dance song. But together again, I believe it was someone that she knew who um, died of AIDS. Are they
0: talking about being in heaven together? Like, yes, oh man, so. oh my
3: God! Yikes. So
2: cheerful way to start off the CD. <laughs> <laughs> So that will lead us into track number two on this CD As Long As You Love Me by a little band called the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> Pop
0: <up> the video. All <laughs> oh, the loneliness to <laughs> never been the of mine. <laughs> I'm just gonna sing it myself. I'm
2: back a bottle <laughs> of beer. <laughs>
1: Not there yet! Every little thing that you have said and done is- Feels like it's deep within me. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Doesn't really matter if you're on the run. It seems like we're meant to be. I don't care who you are, who you where are, you're, from, where you're from, what you did, as long as you love me.
0: What what instrument is that? Mandolin. Or something. just a, a, a guitar.
3: Just guitar? Probably like a, a synthesizer
0: guitar. I'm
2: What is this story? A bunch of like hot women coming in and videotaping them?
3: In an airplane hangar. <laughs> His hair. <laughs>
0: Fucking, that fucking part in the middle, <laughs> that 90s haircut. I had
3: that haircut. Oh,
0: I'm sure I you did, because you too. were alive in the 90s. I had a butt
3: cut. <laughs> we should talk about that. We're
0: talking about it right now.
3: <laughs>
2: the cheetah print was big Yes, in the so yeah. big. Oh. Special effects. Oh,
0: why? black or white
3: special effects. Very special. A pretty good special effects
2: for this time. All right. So as long as you loved me was <laughs> Is released. Is it all
3: right, Chris? <laughs> it's all
2: right. Are we all okay? <laughs> I don't know. Do we need a moment? Uh This song was released as in September 1997. It was never actually released as a commercial single, but they did make a music video of it. So I guess it became kind of a known as a single, but it. What is a single in Canada
0: first? Because I think they had a Canadian release before an American release. They
2: had an international release first. Yeah, so this album that the song is on is called Backstreet's Back, which was confusing for those (laughs) of us in the United States because Backstreet had never been here in the first place. So we're like, where are you back from? They had recently been featured on the Booty Call soundtrack, however, so you may have known them from there. A little bit of trivia on the Backstreet Boys. They were named after a... Orlando Flea Market. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah, called the Backstreet Market. So that is how they got their name. The Backstreet
0: Boys. Oh my god.
2: So real classy roots for them. Wow. The single was produced by Max Martin, who we know has produced many other Mm -hmm. big hits. A lot of Britney. My association with this song is that my sister was very, very obsessed with the Backstreet Boys at this time. She had a big Nick Carter poster in her bedroom. And I'm probably embarrassing her right now by talking (laughs) about it, which is exactly why I brought it up. So (laughs) sorry, Janae, but... Um, so I would always hear this through the wall of my bedroom, basically. Like I, I was way too cool to listen to the Backstreet Boys at this time in my life, but I certainly heard a lot of the song emanating from various places in my vicinity.
0: I remember thinking the song was like really desperate um (laughs) like the lyrics i don't care who you are or where you're from as long as you love me or what you did or or what what you you did did. so i'd always replace it and saying i don't care who you are where you're from what you did i just need a girlfriend (laughs) (laughs) i would like change the lyrics to that i feel like this song is becky
3: Bang and Uh uh-huh yep (laughs) strikes again
0: I feel like the song is cheesy, but it does get stuck in your head. Mm-hmm. It feels like something One Direction actually would record today. Oh, like- it's an earworm! Absolutely, Absolutely. Yeah.
3: that was like that was half of the genius of Lou Pearlman and that like crazy boy band industrial complex that grew up in the '90s. They would make these songs that really would get stuck in your head. It's 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 evil. It's dark sided, <laughs> if you ask me. So
0: it's it's good songwriting is or music it's writing. Not, it's evil. Well. It's I, very generic. I think it holds up today. It doesn't mean it's a good song, but I can I could hear it on the radio today. With it's like... no
2: worse than music today. <laughs>
3: right. That's not
2: holding up.
3: That means that music has held steady in its awfulness since then.
2: I will say that I have had a growing appreciation for the Backstreet Boys in general cons- like since this time, since I didn't really like them at the time. But this is not one of my jams that I would... Oh, I Backstreet Back...
0: The song is, is. That's a good song. Why well, I Want
2: It That Way is an amazing song now, I think. Tell me why. <laughs> that's a whole different podcast. Oh my God. And they did beat NSYNC onto the now. That's what I call music compilation. They did. So. I was always an
0: NSYNC girl, so I favor them.
2: Wow. As loyalty to my sister, I had to be with the Backstreet Boys. I had no other choice, so.
3: Was there was there a, a filial obligation there?
2: There was a real Montague Capulet thing going yeah. on. Yeah,
3: this is pretty futile, these
2: alliances. So I think we're done with the Backstreet Boys for the time being. Uh, we can move on to The Way by Fastball.
3: Yes, because it's the, the best song on this whole fucking thing.
0: You gotta reveal it at the end, Seth. Play the
2: video
3: played all the things and they started playing
2: the tubular bells
3: the bells (laughs) were very tubular
1: children woke up and they could
2: That was The Way by Fastball from the album All the Pain Money Can Buy. Uh, Fastball's original band name was Magneto USA. <laughs> <laughs> Is so, that
3: related to Sousaphone Colossus? <laughs> it, could be. it could be. Shout out Sousaphone
0: Colossus. <laughs> we love out you, reader, Colossus. <laughs> whoever
3: you are.
2: <laughs> so before I um, ruin this song for you forever, why don't we hear what you guys think <laughs> about this song?
0: I like this song. I think it's a great sing-along song. And even after all this time, I I don't really even know what it's about, honestly. Like I'm not paying attention to the lyrics and yet I'm singing along with it. Uh, but I think, I think it's still very, like the hook is strong. I still like it.
3: It's yeah. a great pop song and I still enjoy it. No matter what awful thing you're about to unspool <laughs> before us.
2: No, Proceed. Did you like this song like when you were in high school? Was this a big song for you then? Oh yeah. Yeah, good? I liked it yeah, at yeah.
3: the time.
0: Yeah, definitely.
2: Yeah, I did too. Um, so,
0: <laughs> I don't. I have no idea what you're going to say. <laughs> like this could go in any direction right now. The
2: song predicted 9/11. No, I'm just
3: kidding.
2: <laughs> uh, Fastball's second album failed, and they joined Al Qaeda. <laughs> The actual lyrics of this song are about an old couple who goes on a drive. Their car breaks down and they end up just walking. And it's kind of this hopeful song about what might have happened to this couple that just kind of disappeared off. The- like no one knew where they went. And in the song version, they just happily, you know, continued on their way. In real life, the song was inspired by the story of a couple named Leela and Raymond who were in their 80s. He had recently had brain surgery, and she had Alzheimer's. Oh, and, Vila
3: and Raymond!
2: Yeah, so they left for um, something called the Pioneer Day Festival and were declared missing. And so at the time that the fastball, the songwriter, saw this, he saw this article, he did not know what had happened to the couple, so he imagined this sort of romanticized story of these two old people just going off on the road and enjoying life and you know finding their freedom in real life uh they were pulled over twice that day once for having no headlights and once for having their high beams on um they were found hundreds of miles from where they were trying to go two weeks later at the bottom of a ravine in arkansas
3: oh no uh
2: dead obviously and yeah they were
3: both
2: they had kind of Lost their minds or something, or they just weren't all there. And I don't think their family realized quite how far gone they were. So, they had packed up some of their things, but they had even left behind like a lot of like essential things that they would have needed to go on a trip that would have taken several weeks. So, um,
0: was this a national news story?
2: I don't. Or was it a local? I think it was local. Okay. um, Because this band was from Austin, I believe they were. They were at least from somewhere around in the south. Maybe Texas. And where was
0: this couple from? Somewhere in the South.
2: Yeah, somewhere around there. Like, they drove to Arkansas, so they were somewhere where they could drive to Arkansas without, you know, in a day. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, so, I mean, I only found that out while I was researching for this uh, podcast, but now the song just sounds different. (laughs)
0: I don't think it sounds different to me. I mean, they took something sad and they tried to make it a a hopeful version of it. Look,
3: Chris, it couldn't have gone too badly. The roads were paved
2: in gold.
0: It's always summer. It'll never get old. Cold. Cold? Mold.
2: Mold? They'll never get mold. (laughs) They'll
3: never get mold.
2: (laughs) Another little bit of trivia from this song is you hear Flipping Through the Radio at the beginning and you hear Jewel's Foolish Games and Madonna's Vogue at the beginning of the song
0: oh is that when she sings fail to notice yep
2: in case you (laughs) fail i never picked that up before though so i I always thought
0: that sounded familiar yeah i have a a little bit of uh fastball uh trivia i don't know if that's the right word fast facts (laughs) fast facts
2: (laughs) ball facts
0: (laughs) i have a friend um who's a local la comedian called chet wilde He's for the last 80 or so days had a Campaign on Twitter to get Fastball to play at his house.
1: <laughs> mm.
3: Does he have
0: a house? I don't know. <laughs> okay, enough, at his Sarah. place in his backyard. Okay. okay. Um, hashtag Fastball at Chet's <laughs> has been like how long? Has been this? trending for a while. He's well, really truly truly trying to get Fastball to play at his place.
2: They are still together.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. They have yet to sign on to play at Chet's house for less than, I think, a couple grand, like five grand or something. Chet does not have that amount of money because he is a local-like comedian. But I think it's funny and relevant to bring this up now. Hashtag fastball at Chet's.
3: Fastball at Chet's.
0: (laughs) So fastball, people still want to hear your tunes live.
2: I do like Fastball. I mean, they have a couple of other good songs, too. I don't think I ever owned any of their albums, but I own I owned their album after them. this,
3: um, which came with, like, a bonus CD if you bought it at Best Buy that had The Way on it that was, like, live or something like that. Um, and then the there was the single on the next album, the Was I Out of My Head, Was I Out of My Mind. Where, I like that song. Yeah. Um, I really like that song. I don't song. know any they other songs like that. Like, one. I don't remember the rest of the songs on the album, but they're really, like... Pleasant Beatles-esque kind of melodies and guitar stuff. They
2: have a good song called Fire Escape, too. So, uh, we are three tracks into Now That's What I Call Music. One song is about AIDS. The other is about a dead elderly couple. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I call music. And one
0: is a generic love song.
2: (laughs) Yes. As far as I know, as long as you love me, is not about (laughs) any sort of personal tragedy. Although... I mean, it does sound kind of desperate. So, well, can, and you we all
3: know um, Lou Pearlman, right? Like his story. Okay, we'll have to save it for that's another too much podcast. Thing do right now, yeah. Okay.
2: So the next song is "Flagpole Sitta by Harvey Danger. Harvey Dangerfield, isn't that? Do the
3: thing. Are
2: you just gonna call it up like by like Randy? <laughs> do <name>? the thing. <laughs> <laughs> So that was Flagpole Sitter" by Harvey Danger, released April 1998 from the album Where Have All the Merry Makers Gone? Uh, Harvey Danger was University of Washington students from Seattle, my hometown, um, who were active until 2009, so fairly recently. Uh, they got their band name from graffiti on the school newspaper's office. So if you were ever wondering what Harvey Danger meant, apparently they don't even know. It's just written right. there. So,
1: <laughs>
0: what do I, you guys
2: think?
1: I
0: think this is kind of on the same wavelength of the way that I think it's a great sing along song. It's another like one hit wonder, but totally listenable. I think it has a great hook, and I would still 100% listen to the whole thing straight through today. I like it.
3: This was weirdly like, even though I was listening to a lot of top 40 radio and like pop rock radio at the time, this was one of the songs that I kind of missed.
2: Really, surprising. Yeah, it was really
3: surprise. Well, and I was listening to like literally everything else that's on this at the time. Mm. Um, I don't know how I missed it, but um, I never did really like this song. Hmm. I think the the hook is kind of poppy, but the lyric is just so I don't know generic.
0: Really, Um, I don't think that at all because I feel like people like singing. The words to this song because it's fun to sing them because it's got a lot of fun words that aren't usually in yeah, but pop like, songs. Just, I, maybe the intent know. behind it is a generic feeling. But I feel like the lyrics are unique.
2: I agree with Becky. I think that from the lyrics you can tell that these are really smart guys. Like just because there's a lot, but of but I think they're play.
3: guys who are like bragging about their smartness, and so like the lyrics kind of serve more. The attitude that they're trying to come off as having, rather than like serving a melody. I don't know. I don't
0: get that. <laughs>
2: no, no, I disagree. Yeah. I mean, to me, this—I was surprised going back to the song because I've always liked this song. I liked it when it first came out, and I've continued to like it since then. It actually is one of the most played '90s songs out there. The song is played on the radio more now than Nirvana or Green Day. Huh. Oh, um, that's crazy. It's right up there with "Wonderwall." So this is one of wow. the songs that has really. Held up from the '90s, and I I have heard it many times since then, um, and I'm so I'm not that surprised about that. But I was surprised by how iconic it felt of the '90s when I was listening to it now, thinking of it in terms of the lyrics. Is the kind of malaise of the lyrics really sounded so much to me like Green Day and Nirvana, the same emotions that they were expressing, and in a, like, fairly interesting way. I mean, these lyrics are not bland lyrics. Like, they, they stand out to you. Um, and the song was, like, meant to be... I read a lot of, on this song, actually, probably more than any other song on this, just because I was really interested in the history of this. And they meant this song as a critique of culture. Like, a lot of like Nirvana, you know, is also a very critique of pop culture. But... Um, it ended up becoming like more of a generic song because it became such a top 40 song. And it. it I don't think the song really has the reputation that a Green Day or a Nirvana song has, which are, they're taken seriously. But I think this is kind of thrown off as more of a pop song. Whereas mm-hmm. the content of the song, I actually think, is much more in line with those songs that are mm-hmm. set apart. Um whereas like you tend to think of the song more in the blink 182 mold of like just like kind of poppy acceptable al- alternative, but the actual lyrics are like fairly dark to me. I'm um, they're they're very much nihilistic, you know, only stupid people are breeding and and I Yeah, some social Darwinism thrown in there. Yeah. Uh and just the whole message of it uh, that line, by the way, only super people are reading. They just got off of a bumper sticker. So I'm not sure that that really says that much about their <laughs> lyrical genius. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I found this to be really encapsulating the 90s for me uh, of just what that mood was. And I think it stands out from the other songs that were out at this time. Like to me, it still sounds very distinct It doesn't sound like, oh, this is that 90s song.
0: No, it still sounds fresh to me.
2: Mm -hmm. Like, I think you could release a song today and it would just be, okay, cool, new song. Like, I don't think it sounds
0: Very 90s. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I remember this song specifically from the trailer to Disturbing Behavior. (laughs) Um, I knew I knew the song beforehand, but it was played in that and American Pie. So it was a big song, like commercially, just in these movies. And yeah, apparently they cut off his legs just because he's crazy in the song. Like he,
3: I'm not sure that's accepted medical practice yeah. anymore.
2: That's I think more of nihilism. It's not part of becomes, Obamacare. Like he's he put he gets put in an asylum basically because he's crazy. But then they cut off his legs and he's an amputee. God damn you! I'm not sure why they cut off his legs, but who knows? It's disturbing. And the lead singer has said that hundreds of people have. Said to him that he influenced their tongue piercing. <laughs> he said it doesn't hurt; it feels fine. So,
0: I heard it does hurt.
2: Uh, I think it probably does, but uh, he was being ironic, I guess. I definitely <laughs> think it would hurt. Yeah, that will move us into "Say You'll Be There" by the Spice Girls on the same exact tonal wavelength. <laughs> <laughs> yep,
3: again, the smoothest of transitions on this compilation. Video- <laughs>
2: That was the Spice Girls. Not exactly as meaningful lyrics as "Flagpole Sitter." I'm in giving you opinion. everything. Uh, this was their second single after "Wannabe" from their debut album "Spice," creatively titled. <laughs> <laughs> It was released in 1996 in the UK, but May 1997 in the US, it was released on my birthday. Ooh. So happy birthday to me, Spice Girls Happy Girl birthday, song. tiny gay Chris. Aw.
3: <laughs> did you get that for a birthday present? I didn't. I
2: was not so much into the Spice Girls okay. at this time. Or well, ever.
3: I was. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, well, let's hear about that then, because I've got very little to say about this song.
3: My notes for this song are just YES, in all in <laughs> capitals. Wait, did you not also make a note that says girl power <laughs> all right so uh, our next
2: song is all my life
3: <laughs> all my
2: you're done life.
3: right no i
0: i mean i love this song i know the lyrics are generic i don't give a shit <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I spice girls by force i
0: honestly think most most of the spice Girls songs hold up and are great pop songs today and like i don't even like they're not the best singers it's not the most introspective lyrics but whoever is making these hooks and it's not them (laughs) whoever is whoever made these hooks like they're great. I love them. I think they I totally hold on. I actually
3: totally agree. <laughs> um, it was this. These songs. All of their songs were clearly assembled by committee, uh, <laughs> with a team, at least a room of songwriters. Um, but they're so fucking catchy. Yeah. And like the bridge in this, the any fool can say blah blah blah. Uh huh. Um, yeah. It's it's just really. It's a really pretty bridge, and I really like the chorus. Like it's it's it's
2: just a really good pop song. Who's your favorite Spice Girl, Seth?
3: Um, okay, Miranda. <laughs> Wait, probably <wrong> a <laughs> Was probably Scary Spice because she was the only one who would ever pop in with a little like a little rap, the rap.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the little
3: rap or like the. You knew she
2: was the black one,
3: <laughs> uh, right? Uh, that's why she was scary, duh. Um, <laughs> but she was also the only Spice who would come in with like a little part that was like kind of off to the side and in the background um like vocally that was kind of interesting um yeah I always liked scary Becky
0: I love Posh she's so above everything
2: (laughs) I have to say that
3: that really fits your personality Becky (laughs)
2: my favorite Spice was always Posh as well. Partially because Sarah Michelle Gellar played Posh Spice on SNL. Oh,
0: is that really?
2: But I already I saw Spice World in theaters. I oh, so did I. was one of those people. Oh. There was no one else in the theater. There was no one else in my
3: theater either. No, you were my the sister. two people who saw it.
2: I remember me and my sister like.
3: <laughs> it was you
2: two. Me and my sister were like running up and down the aisles of the theater during did the movie. Did we see? Were we
0: in the same theater? Me and Chrissy and Kristen and Justin, yeah. all my friends were like that. I think it was, like, a half day at school, so we, like, left school early and went to the movies and saw Spice World, and no one else was there, and we were dancing in the aisles.
2: Well, we had... All right. Well, <laughs> Becky and I have literally oh established ourselves once again as living in parallel universes <laughs> as the same person. Oh, my God. So I do like, uh, posh spice, but I also, I've grown an appreciation for ginger spice as well, so. <laughs> because she was the only one who had even a little bit of a solo career a Yeah, bit. and then Jerry she Howell. also became a yeah.
3: politician, right?
2: I, I think well, she became like a politician
3: that. and like what? an advocate in parliament for women's issues. Really? That's yeah, cool. Yeah.
2: So that's say you will be there. Um, I think it's fine. I don't know. I don't have a big affinity for this song, but I don't hate it. It's
0: not my favorite Spice Girls song, but I still—it's. I mean, I love all their songs. So, Great.
2: so up next is "All My Life" by Casey and Joe. All oh,
3: my life.
2: That was almost as beautiful as my rendition of "Cherry Pop and Daddies." <laughs> That was. That was All My Life by Casey and JoJo. (laughs) It was released in early 1998. It reached number one on the Hot 100, so it is one of the bigger hits on this album as well. Yes, it is. So if you listen to this, you either have one or two reactions. You have sweeping nostalgia for a true love that you had in the eighth (laughs) grade that you slow danced with. And, you know, maybe you had your first kiss to this song and, you know, you feel that warm touch. You smell his smell or her smell.
3: Whoa. <laughs> you know? This is or, getting detailed. Or
2: your reaction is, fuck you, Casey and JoJo. <laughs> 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 because you are sitting on the wall. Yep. <laughs> watching all of those people have that experience. This was, this was a
3: wallflower anthem. Yeah. Yeah. To beat all of the best. Yeah. I spent yeah. so many dances... Listening to songs like this and uh, I'll Make Love to You, which, again, in retrospect, it's creepy that that was played at like seventh grade dances. Right. But it was. And that's what they slow Mm dance to. Mm -hmm. But yeah, all my life was like a slow dance jam. And this was when I was in seventh and eighth grade. Ultimate.
2: Oh, it, I yeah. think it really This is was. the ultimate wallflower I anthem. think it really was I didn't
0: recognize it from the title, but as soon as it started I was like, oh, this one I felt one. so
2: depressed As soon as this song started, <laughs> I was like Oh my god, I'm alone, what's wrong? Like, Someone help me No like, one will ever love me Like It literally brought back those feelings for yeah, me My was only a note on this song sorrow. is Fuck this song Because <laughs> I, I think apart so from
0: nostalgia or anti-nostalgia or whatever you're feeling, <laughs> I feel like it's like a sweet but insignificant song. It's just kind of forgettable. I feel like it wouldn't, it's forgettable if it wasn't played to death at that point in our
3: lives. Well, and also it's like, it's so indistinguishable from any boys to men song ever. Yeah.
0: It's you just know, or any like of
3: the like ballad side of the new Jack swing groups. Like it, it was so done by then.
2: I just think it stands out so much because all I had to do was like stand there and see them listen to the lyrics to this song. Like other songs, I would be like dancing with friends or whatever. I would be able to do something, but this one was just like just watch everyone just hate life. Aww. Mm-hmm. Was, yeah. So that song, I think, might be the most depressing song in the. Entire yeah, <laughs> I feel like
3: it's been the most vis- viscerally affecting one so far yeah. for me.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. We can move right along. From there. Go
2: fuck yourselves, Casey and Jojo. That's we that's don't
3: know conclusion.
2: which one is which Who who's no. singing it
3: well Jojo's still around now that's all we know
2: that's not the same Jojo <laughs> um, look it up that's it the is same... fucking not the same Jojo <laughs> Chris look up that Jojo Goddamn it what does
0: she sing in this song she doesn't
2: no the the two guys are Casey and Jojo they're two brothers <laughs> they're two brothers
0: <laughs> Casey and Jojo JoJo's are brothers Jojo's
2: gone through some changes
3: you guys
0: <laughs>
2: now he's Jaja <laughs> Yeah, that's a much more masculine name. Jar Jar. Casey and Jar Jar (laughs) Binks. I might prefer that version, actually. Misa prayed for someone like you.
0: (laughs) Oh my God, keep going. Oh my God. Let's move
2: on, please. (laughs) To Never Ever by All Saints, everyone's favorite, most memorable band from 1998.
3: (laughs) Uh, My reaction to this was Never Ever. Have I heard this song? <laughs> yes,
2: and so we will remind you of the song right now. For the in first case time. <laughs> you may have forgotten it.
0: I know it. I know it well. But I also own this album. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. like, oh I- boy. Don't wanna hurt no more. I need peace. Gotta feel at ease. Need to be.
2: That was Never Ever, a song several of you may never ever have heard uh, by All Saints, released in July 1998. Yeah, when we were doing the CD, I did not remember how the song went at all. It always put in vogue's Never Gonna Get It in my head. That was kind of how I imagined it would go, but it's unmemorable to me.
0: I remember it well. Um, I think it's definitely a Spice Girls ripoff. Like, I think their whole band is a Spice Girls ripoff. But I 100% remember the song and I remember never remembering what the chorus was, so
2: I'd always sing never ever remembering.
0: I would always sing never ever 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 ever
2: ever 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 never ever 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 I
0: think maybe I remember it because of that.
2: Did you say you had this C D though? Yeah. You actually bought all scenes the C D
0: no I owns now that's what I call music. Oh, Okay. So that's why I owned this song, but <laughs> I, I, see. I definitely remember being on Wait, the radio. Were they a girl group? Yeah, they're a girl group that was oh. so obviously they we're trying were to be the Spice Girls, and
3: they were British. See, mm-hmm. that's yeah. the only reason why I thought they were included was because they did well in the UK. Wise, they did.
2: They were very actually hugely yeah. popular in the UK, and yeah. here they were kind of like, eh. um, but they were credited with making cargo pants on women a look. So. <laughs> There you go. Thank I you, All Saints. I didn't
0: know what Zed was before this song,
2: and I, yeah. when she said
0: Zed, I always thought it was a mistake, and then I realized that like Zed is a thing that British people say.
3: <laughs> Wait, and a mistake? I don't know. I don't
0: know why she was saying it like that.
3: Yeah, at the time, or I she just didn't knew a guy either. named Zed? No. I don't remember when I learned Zed. It was a song for me, Seth. What would you think of this song? Completely unmemorable. Just. Yeah. I mean, it, it, again, it just is such a blatant Spice Girls rip off, you know? Um, I just remember hearing the name of All Saints, but it was like, well, after the time that when I was mm-hmm. ever
2: listening to kind of top 40 pop. All right. We will move on to If You Could Only See by Tonic. If you could only- <laughs> That was Seth, not the actual- <laughs> Nope. That was the actual musician. If you could only see the way she loves
1: me Then maybe you would understand Why I feel this way that I love And what I must do If you could only see how blue her eyes can be when she says when she says she loves me.
2: That was If You Could Only See by Tonic, released April 1997. Doing this CD was interesting just because I was able to learn the meaning behind a lot of songs. That you hear on the radio many times, mm-hmm. but you don't actually sit there and consider the history of it. So this song was written by lead vocalist Amway... Uh, Emerson Hart to convince his mom that his relationship with a much older woman was appropriate.
0: Oh well, when he was very young,
3: or I don't think he was that young.
0: Like was he twenty and she was like forty or fifty or something? I don't he know was how...
3: sixteen and she was seventy-two. <laughs> <laughs> it was a real Harold and Maude situation.
2: <laughs> so maybe we could do a little role play. I will be Emerson, and you can be mom. Oh,
0: thanks. And <laughs> oh, I'm and mom. You can
2: be dad. I'm okay. <laughs> oh, mom. And you dad, will see oh. if these lyrics convince you that my love okay. is true. If you could only see the way she loves me, then maybe you would understand why I feel this way about our love and what I must do. Wait, what are you planning to do, son? If you could only see how blue her eyes can be when she says when she says she loves me. Okay. Convinced.
0: Uh, is there is there more? No.
2: Then that's pretty the, much it. That's
3: pretty much the
0: argument. Yeah.
3: Again, no. I'm stuck on what are you planning to do? What is it you feel you must do? look her into to, her blue eyes ask her, her to marry yeah you know, I, I mean it sounds so? to me like you're making some kind of
2: violent plans okay dad well
0: <laughs> are they still together
2: no he's did, been married did twice. she
0: die <laughs> was she that old not, i was not able
2: <laughs> to Natural find out what happened to her, but he was married twice and neither of them were this woman so <laughs> he eventually realized his mom was right <laughs> His family disowned him for three years because of this woman. Wow. Whoa.
0: Wow. So I haven't heard this song in a long time, and I didn't recognize it based off the title, but the second it started, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this song. So I guess that's, you know, I think that's also the benefit of starting your song with your with your chorus, mm-hmm. with your hook. True. Okay. I felt like a more famous band covered this song, or it sounds like a cover. or Maybe in my head I remembered it differently, but I feel like I just remember it sounding different. But... Maybe not. Um, I believe the
2: Backstreet Boys did a version.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's okay. I don't know how I feel about it. It's so nostalgia, like, it's so steeped in nostalgia that I almost can't judge it.
2: Yeah, it doesn't stand apart from the time it was released. Like, you Mm -hmm. can only go back to 1997 and hear it back then. Yeah. I don't think you can possibly. If you could only see. The way it played in 1996. It's
0: not bad. It's just so like 90s that I can't. It's the
2: most generic 90s. Which isn't a bad thing. It's just. Well, and not
3: even generic, but it's like of a type. It's so of a type with like Sister Hazel and like a lot of those. Well, no, Fuel was more. Fuel was more uh, distorted. A little bit wallflowers. Yeah. Yeah, but like wallflowers and like Sister Hazel, Blues
2: Traveler yeah okay that world
0: yeah it's fine i'm sure at the time i think i liked it better than i do now but
2: i think i always kind of felt the same i was like yeah that's perfectly fine like it just sounds like it was playing on repeat for about three years in the background of whatever i was doing in the 90s so moving on to a very similar song uh we have hansen's mbop (laughs) seamless transition for you oh
3: god (laughs) In a noombop, we're gone. In <laughs>
2: a noombop, we're not there. Yeah. So, uh,. <laughs> You may or may not be familiar with Mbop from the 90s. I think you probably are because it's maybe the number one joke song of the 90s. Yeah. No,
3: Chris. I was-, I was born in 2000 and/ or cryogenically frozen in the 90s. I was gonna m-born. say
0: I was gonna say with this and the Macarena are probably the most like joke songs. Not that they were made to be jokes, but that we've they've turned into jokes. From the 90s. Like yeah, the
2: Macarena has its own dance, so I feel like that's kind of its own category of a uh, joke song. Chris, did
3: you ever learn the oom in school?
0: <laughs> Seth, by all means, perform the umbop dance. <laughs>
2: Sing along. It must be performed on Everybody top of a flower.
0: <laughs> I want to say something nice. Why? <laughs> um. So, as I've previously said, I used to be a music reviewer, and I interviewed bands and artists, and I interviewed Taylor Hansen. Um, he was a very nice guy, um, very sweet. I think the Hanson brothers are very talented and they wrote all their songs and performed their instruments. Like You can tell. Well, I think that that's very impressive that uh, these young teens, I think um, Isaac, God, Isaac, Taylor, and Zach, I mm-hmm. forget which one is the older one. The oldest one is Isaac. It's Isaac. I think, I, <laughs> I think he was 17. I think he was 17. Taylor your was 14. Wall. And. Uh, what did we just? Zach was a psycho, and, and Zach was, I think, like eleven or something. And they you performed the their one. own music, and they, you know, wrote it. And I think that they really are talented, and they actually still have a really big fan base. My friend is a huge Hanson fan who you're talking still. About. My friend Amy, yeah, <laughs> um, wait, what? Yeah, she is a huge Hanson fan. So I used to live with her, so I know all about how big Hanson still is uh-huh. and the fact that when in they, one
2: person's mind no no like she'll
0: go to concerts and they'll be sold out yeah they're not mm-hmm. filling like Madison Square Garden right. but they're still touring and they still have fans that show up and are very you know um, they're still into sure. hardcore so okay. that's the nice thing I want to <laughs> say I feel like the modern day equivalent of the song is probably Justin Bieber's Baby is mm-hmm. where it's like kind of like kind of like a hooky song that gets stuck in your head but it's also kind of
3: a joke mm-hmm that's yeah. fair. Yeah, that's fair. That's about as fair as... That's fairer than I can be, actually. <laughs> uh, this... it's It had been a long while since I had heard this little ditty <laughs> uh, and really tried to pay attention to it. Upon any degree of scrutiny whatsoever, it, it it's bullshit. It's a bullshit song. It means It means nothing. The only reason it was ever popular... Was that they were tiny, blonde, Aryan tweens. (laughs) (laughs) Twinkie tweens playing it. I like this song.
0: (laughs) Did you uh, research what mbot means? Because I know if they've said it, like, what that...
3: Does it not mean fucking... I don't think it means anything. It's like
0: a l- unit of time <laughs>
3: measurement. Or something. Yeah. No, I, the, the closest I can come is it's a measurement of time, because the only lyrics I could actually understand were "In an umbop you're gone; in yeah. an oompa, you're not there." Does that just mean like in a moment? I think so. I think so. I think
2: maybe it's really like an actually a Buddhist anthem, and we've just never appreciated it. So the lyrics of the song are: "You have so many relationships in this life." Only one or two will last. You go through so much pain and strife. You turn your back and they're gone so fast. And then, mm they're gone.
0: I think that's, like, more deep than a lot of the lyrics in these other songs. I agree. Like,
2: this is actually kind of a sad song. I mean, it was actually originally written as a slower song, and then they sped it up because it didn't quite... There's. You can go on YouTube and listen to, the, like, the slower version, but this version is much more catchy because...
3: Well, and then they also added record scratches, which I think is the most important part of any pop song.
1: I do have to say,
0: though, (laughs) like his voice is kind of screechy annoying in this song.
2: Well, you definitely can't make out almost any of the lyrics. No. You can't, no. It sounds like it's sung in a foreign language. He became a
0: better (laughs) singer with other singles that Hanson released, but this is a little screechy, like... (laughs) Like, that's just what I hear, kind
2: of. Well, this song was Grammy-nominated for Record of the Year. Wow.
0: It was huge, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was huge.
2: May 6th, which is my birthday again, (laughs) is celebrated in Oklahoma as Hanson Day ever since 1997 because that was the day that their album, Middle of Nowhere was released. So, you know, we've got that synergy going for us. And they have since released a beer beer called M. Hops.
0: I heard about that. Do it, Hanson. Good for you.
2: Do it.
0: They're very nice guys, so yeah, good I've, for them. I
2: have friends who know them as well, and they're, they've always said that they're very nice. Yeah, they are close nice.
0: family friends with Weird Al because their kids play together, so and just nice. throwing that out there. If Weird Al likes you, you can't be that bad.
3: <laughs> 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 no one was saying they're bad people.
0: <laughs> are you ready for...
3: <laughs> I don't think any of us Are you ready, ready for this? <laughs>
2: moving on to another seamless transition will be zoot suit riot (laughs) by the cherry poppin daddies Uh, daddies daddies
3: daddies
2: (laughs) but if i type in cherry poppin
3: it'll be the first thing that comes up in google do you have safe search turned on
1: Who's that whispering in the trees? It's two cities and they're only leave. Pipes and chains and swinging hands. Who's your daddy? Yes, I am. Back cat came to play. Now you can't run fast enough. You best stay away when the pushers come to shove. So, so Ryan. Throw back a bottle of beer. So, so, Ryan. I'm all gone. through go back
2: so that was the zoot suit riot by cherry pop and daddies this is a super gross name for a band <laughs> 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 like honestly
0: i think it's tongue in cheek it's it's cute
2: uh it's basically this- <laughs> a rape name
0: <laughs> what,
2: what they're I- daddies so they're older oh god you the,
0: you think rape isn't everywhere <laughs>
3: You think rape is in everywhere
2: (laughs) That's the name of my debut single
0: (laughs) You'll recall if you were around back in the late 90s That there was kind of a swing renaissance Yeah, what the fuck Um, was that? There was the movie Swingers in 1996 That just had a little bit of swing dancing in it But it was still part of the movie Um, The Gap had those commercials that were swing dancing That were very popular Jump driving whale yeah, oh, d- um,
2: Brian Setzer yeah.
0: and there was a whole like ska movement as well so with the you know so the big horn section Horns, yeah. was a regular thing on the radio so I think it makes total sense that
2: yeah the Mighty yeah, Mighty, Mighty like Boss kind of and uh, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy were some of yes. the other bands that were big at this time which I find like so interesting because like I think Cherry Pop and Daddy it's they just happened to like come up at the right moment when mm-hmm. swing was a thing because this is basically like a wedding band. And all of these bands are wedding bands that just happened to like hit the mainstream at the right moment.
0: Or there are niche bands that- Yeah,
2: like they would play yeah. like local clubs and they would never be on top 40. But for some reason, yeah. like in the 90s, this thing just exploded.
3: The heavens parted and gave them their shot. It's the same thing for, like,
0: dance music now. There's just so much dance music that if you're, you know, a DJ producer, this is the time for you to shine. And it was just, for for the late 90s, it was swing.
2: But I feel like that's so much more random, because it was such a throwback to Mm -hmm. an older era. And, I mean, they weren't, like, updating the sound at all. It was really just that sound.
3: Yeah, it is, like, super throwback in such a conscious way. And... uh, I don't know, like, in retrospect, I do wonder what extent to which that is kind of a reactionary thing of, like, people wanting really traditionalist music in some kind of way, and really, like, trying to reach for it and make it, like, a thing again in the in the zeitgeist. Like, I, and I wonder, like, because we are obviously in a time that's going to be a lot more reactionary, like, I wonder if that's going to happen again in some way, because, like, there are always, like, genres that are so associated with another time that kind of come back mm-hmm. and like country has been the same way, like in a lot of different eras. Um, but yeah, it's, it's weird. Cause it, there is no attempt at all to like update it in any way.
2: No. I mean, when you think about like what was going on musically in the early nineties, it was a lot of hip hop um, and then grunge. And then when you get to the late nineties, it's very like poppy bubblegum and this was like a weird bridge between those where it was like clearly like everyone was like f- like after like things had gotten i guess maybe too controversial or something in like grunge and hip hop everyone was like let's go back to the 50s and like it really things it, really kind of regressed in a way in
3: context it seems like White people being like, how white can we make
2: our music? Yeah, kind of. Like, yeah. like it, let's it take really, that to culture.
3: And and that's not fair to, like, associate with any one artist, no, you know, or any one era or any of that, because they're all the product in response to all of the things that are in the culture. But still, they're in context of, like, what other kinds of music were really prominent at the time, it's just mighty white. Yeah, mighty,
2: mighty light tones.
0: (laughs) I feel like I don't want to listen to this song unless I'm on a dance floor. I don't
2: want to... And on a cruise ship? On my deathbed. (laughs) Maybe. Um... Yeah, I mean, I doubt that these bands like suddenly, I don't think that they capitalized on the wave. I think that they were probably always into swing music and they played this. Yes, you oh, know, totally. in the 80s and whatever, and it just happened to become a big thing. Yeah. But, yeah,
3: in no way are they fakers
2: at all or like posers or any of that. But yeah. now I think that like if you want to listen to swing music, you can just go do that on iTunes. It's very easy. Like, I don't know if, if we'll have another resurgence of something that's quite this retro because like you can already find that somewhere like in the mainstream at this time like we had to listen to this because this was on the radio and that was the only like I think this was probably on TRL like some of these videos like we had to listen to those because that's just what was available and now I'm not sure that that kind of resurgence is going to happen in the same way I'm going to play the Gap commercial for
0: yay I love these Gap commercials they have the Matrix effect
2: it's cutting edge
0: I love these commercials.
2: so ugly that everyone's wearing khakis. I know that's the point, but...
0: Oh, I loved the uh, West Side Story commercials they Fucking did too. Khakis. When they had, um, like, colored pants. I love swing dancing. I've taken swing dance lessons. It's fun.
2: There was a Weird Al Yankovic uh, parody of the song called Grapefruit Diet. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: of course there was. Did you have that one? I don't think I did, but I i don't think I... What album was it off of? You don't know? No. Okay.
3: God Whatever bless Whatever this Al. year it
2: was.
0: Grapefruit diet.
3: Diet! <laughs> yeah.
2: Or back a bottle of beer.
3: <laughs> Get all your vitamin C. I bet that's it. I bet that's the lyric.
2: Yeah, I think there's nothing more dated than a revival of a dated form of music in an era that is also dated. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Because that's just what this is. It's like, oh, the 90s are so dated, and so is this music. It's just kind of double painful. Um, But on the theme of uh, where these songs came from, the Zoot Suit Riots were an actual thing it was a series of racist attacks between ca- Caucasian servicemen and Mexican-American youths wearing zoot suits which were considered disrespectful and extravagant during wartime.
0: Wow. So,
2: this CD has like, got all the super cheerful hits for wow. you. Wow. Didn't uh, know that. And the Cherry Poppin' Daddies are still poppin'. Uh, their most recent album was released last year and it was called The Boopadoo. <laughs> <laughs> of course it was. And now we can move on. <laughs> God,
3: why did you keep us through Boopadoo?
2: We had to end on Boopadoo.
3: <laughs> I wish we could.
2: Next song is Shorty, parentheses. You keep playing with my mind, end parentheses. By Imagine.
3: Who? Cool? What? <laughs>
0: why? Where?
2: Let now? me illuminate this for you. <laughs>
0: imagine isn't spelled how you
1: think it's spelled won't you please
2: Yeah, so that was uh, Shorty. You keep playing with my mind. Um, Seth, why don't you tell everyone about your deep-seated love for this song? Um, Well, I didn't plan on
3: telling the story of my only back tattoo, but here (laughs) we are. (laughs) Um, I had never heard this song, heard of this artist, heard any little bit of this. And again, given that I had heard if not liked, at least like heard a lot of times, basically every song on this, except for all saints and, and this, I think, um, it was so strange to be introduced to a thing that was like, uh, obviously successful, but never once it entered my eardrums. And your thoughts on. This it's song? so generic. I am immediately bored of it. It's like, it's just a loop with guys singing, you know, it's just a loop. There's like no interesting instrumentation or... yeah. This
0: this song is so boring. And I only remember it a little in the context of maybe like a hip hop class somewhere. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if it was like at that time period or later like in college and they just played it. I don't know. It's just so forgettable.
2: Well, I would like to read you one of the notes that I wrote down for this song. I have always loved this song and I always will. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. I just saw that note in here, and I was like, oh, shit, I put that under the wrong song. I did not know this song. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what song this was, and I was like, why well, did I write
0: that? I was like, who are you?
2: That will <sighs> come later. Um, For the X-Files Techno remix on Pure Moods, isn't it? But I would like to ask you guys a question, is what is your conception of what a shorty is?
3: Uh, <laughs>
0: like, a girl that you're, like, into.
2: hmm Seth? Same, same. So I did a little research on what a shorty actually. Was. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The uh, appropriately, the first person to use "shorty" in a song was the rapper Too Short, dollar sign as the S in short. Okay. Uh, in 1985, "Too Short Every Time" was the name of the song, and so around that time, shorty was more known as a kid who was dealing drugs or in a gang, oh, which I think what? makes more sense. Like a shorty, like that's okay. Like, yeah. makes more yeah, sense. Yeah. Um, and so up to the mid-90s, Shorty referred to females, males, and children equally, about 30% each. Hmm. Uh, this is research done by mdaniels.com. And then by 2002, female rose up to 70%, mostly through the rise of Southern hip-hop. So now Shorty is basically uses female. Well, now,
3: this is... Isn't this spelled Shorty? There's a difference because the one referring to the girl that you're into is Shoddy. S-H-A-W-T-Y, not S-H-O-R-T-Y. No, I think it, I've T-y-r. seen it
0: Shorty, like just I think it's
2: s-h-o-r-t-y. both, yeah. I think that's the Southern um, hip-hop influence. Yeah. Yeah, like abbreviating it that way. But I think now Shorty is just kind of generally considered okay. that way. But it started off being more as a reference to like... Interesting. ...drug-dealing kids and, you know, kids huh. who got into the gangster life too early. Hmm. So, another happy little song here. Although, this song seems to be referring to a female, not a... Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> not a young boy. I
3: don't think this is a song about him missing a young, <laughs> drug-dealing boy. That'd be more interesting, though. True. <laughs> it would be captivating.
2: <laughs> and moving on to Brian McKnight's "Anytime."
1: Still have your picture
2: That was Anytime by Brian McKnight. I think this is going to be a really short segment. Uh, What do you guys think?
0: I don't really remember it. And I swear Brian McKnight has like a more popular song. That's more memorable, but I can't remember that one either. So sorry, Brian McKnight.
3: Yeah, like I think it's really pretty. Like it's really kind of somewhat cliche Mm r&b like it's very by the numbers r&b but i really like the chord progression and i think it's really interestingly produced like listening to it on good speakers was really like fun to listen to like you know any janet jackson songs too um yeah but it i i knew he was a thing but i didn't know why i knew that was a song but i
2: didn't remember it until i heard the chorus so for me, this is another Wallflower song. Um, a little bit less not of wallflower a punch flowers, to the heart. Not yes, wallflowers don't confuse song everyone. Wallflower song. No, just singular Wallflower, as in the actual loser who is standing against the wall saying, can you, this song please end? Please play something faster so I can stop being alone and watching people awkwardly shuffling. <laughs> so Brian McKnight is a 16-time Grammy nominee, the, har- the third most number of nominations without a win. Wow! Wow.
0: I remember him being very popular. Mm -hmm.
2: The Susan Lucci of Grammys. That's true. So, yeah. I mean, do you like the song better than All My Life, Seth? Oh, definitely.
0: Huh? I don't. I don't either. I like all. I I think I was saying before that anytime, anytime, I was trying to like sing the song in my head. I kept singing the tune to All My Life,
2: Mm -hmm. which we actually did as it was playing, and it fits perfectly.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Oh. (laughs)
3: I
2: <laughs> yeah I mean I guess like this song doesn't make me as sad as that one but I guess if I'm gonna listen to one of these songs I might as well just go for it and cry <laughs> and eat a bucket of ice cream or something yeah you're going for that <laughs> pure mood so the most seamless transition of all we will now go into Aqua's Barbie Girl Ooh. oh my god imagination life is your creation Come on Barbie, let's go party. party ooh, 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 come on barbie let's go party ooh, yeah. come on barbie let's go party
3: ooh, 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 oh i'm having so much fun hiya barbie is that oh, pitbull it looks like pitbull
2: <laughs> danish pitbull yes <laughs> That was Barbie Girl by Aqua. Was it? <laughs> yes, it was. Could it be in-
0: anything else? In
2: case you mistook it for tonic, no, it was, it was Aqua. Uh, it was released in May 1997. The band is Danish-Norwegian. They were originally called Joy Speed, but changed to Aqua when they saw a poster for an aquarium in their dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> and they are the most profitable Danish band ever.
0: Oh my god.
2: So, we were just talking about the Cherry Pop and Daddies and the weird swing influence, and there was also kind of a weird Europop influence in the 90s at this time.
0: Yeah, do you remember that, like, Pizza Hut song? A Pizza Hut, a Pizza Hut, Kentucky Fried Chicken and a Pizza Hut, McDonald's, McDonald's. Like, this was, like, a Europop song that would play, like, in clubs, and I was just st- would stare at it like like there'd be a screen with the video and I'd right. be like, what is going I on? I think besides
2: this one, the other big one that people remember is blue D Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my how is that not on <laughs> here? I think it's, oh it's definitely on one of these. It's probably on the next one
3: or two. You're this right, was a little yeah. bit too hardcore for volume one, Becky. They had to
2: earn their way.
0: When did Ace of Base become
1: big? <laughs> when did Ace
0: Ventura
2: than of than base, base come around?
0: What <laughs> was well, that? Earlier than this. Right, I wonder if that they was were like... They were
2: influenced by Ace of Base, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously.
2: They were earlier 90s, I think, like 92, three ish Okay. I would say. Um, So I propose that we are going to go track by track through Aqua's Aquarium... <laughs>
0: And treat it just
2: as seriously as "Jagged Little Pill."
3: I suggest the the podcast ends here.
2: (laughs) That was my. I
3: suggest dying in my bathtub. I'll get a head start.
2: Y'all catch up. So yes, this is the song that I wrote the note. (laughs)
3: Uh,
2: I have always loved this song, uh, and I always will. uh, uh,
0: How? (laughs) Why? Where? When? When?
1: Why? It's fun.
2: (laughs) And the deep, meaningful lyrics, I really connect to, no. Um, So I remember liking this song, but it was always a guilty pleasure. I mean, it still is. As it should. As (laughs) it should be, yes, exactly. But, so, I wanted the song on a CD, and this was before the Now Music CD came out. That would have solved my problem at this time. Had this CD existed, I could have been like, oh, I'm getting it for Tonic. But no. I really wanted to listen to it for Barbie Girl. But no, at the time I could only buy Aqua's entire album aquarium if I wanted to hear the and song. And you did? And I did. So what I did is I made my sister go in on it Havsies with me. I don't remember like what ruse I used to get her to do this. Like I think she liked the song too, but we each like spent like six dollars at Target.
0: Was this really for your own well being of thinking I'm not really buying this?
2: Yes, it was. Okay. (laughs) My little... It was kind of like... I didn't ever have, like, a huge (laughs) hankering to play Barbies, but I know that, like, I would play them with my sister, but there was always that sense of, like, oh, well, I'm playing it with my sister, so it's okay, because I'm doing this favor for her. Even though, like, personally, I didn't necessarily mind playing Barbies. It was just, like... It was fine. It was, like... The same yeah, thing as anything else. Yeah, a lot
3: of serial killers who enlist their siblings in killing small animals say the exact same <laughs>
2: thing. Okay, well, I didn't do that. <laughs> uh-huh. But this is worse. In this, I think because the song is called Barbie Girl, it just had this extra, like, embarrassing connotation. And so it just, like, did not seem acceptable for me as a 15-year-old or however old I was exactly to buy this album from myself so if she kept it in her room and i occasionally followed it <laughs> and listened if I to it to hear oh it my the god
3: walls.
0: there's a whole story
2: yeah. i'm like
3: so scared of being
0: it was great being a girl i could do whatever i wanted no no judge me <laughs>
2: yeah well you were lucky uh
3: female privilege i guess
2: <laughs> yeah all that female privilege so I did Sad. preview the entire album on iTunes because I wanted to remember it. Because I have not listened to Aqua's Aquarium in a very long time. I still kind of enjoy it. It's, you know, it's what? really cheesy. What's their
0: other big song?
2: Dr. Jones. They have one called <laughs> Roses Ray.": Red. I thought
0: they had, like, another song that was big.
2: None that were nearly as big as Barbie Girl. But there were, like, a few on this album. Am I thinking of the Vengo Boys? <laughs> Probably. Ooh. We Like
0: to Party. We Like, yeah. to, we like to Party.
2: So, yeah, you I mean, all, you d- you done. Do you do you love it as much as I do, Seth? Uh,
3: I hate the song. I hate like the song, song so very deeply that I lack the words to fully describe it. Um, I think in the way that there's matter and antimatter that this is anti music, and that wow, it, yeah, um, it is so fucking sexist, uh, lyrically on every single level, um, and. N- not at all helped by the fact that no one
2: involved in the writing or production of the song spoke English. Um, See, I think this is, like, making fun of how sexist Barbie is. I think that the song is fully aware. I mean, the lyrics are so tongue-in-cheek.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I don't think it's sexist because I think it's no, it's making a comment
3: on yeah. Barbie. Well, but it's not making any kind of
2: criticism of that comment. It, it's it's, it's uh,
0: satirizing it.
3: I don't think it is. She's I saying think it's, you can
2: touch, play, like pose me however you want. I think it's, it's critiquing how men treat women. It's like you're you treat women as a Barbie doll. I think kids. it's presenting
3: that. I don't think it's critiquing that.
0: I think it's satirizing it. It's not saying
2: you shouldn't do this. I think it's very clearly, yeah, like <laughs> like the Ken character in the song is a typical guy who's saying like, oh, like Barbie, come, you know, like she's so hot. And what is he saying, Chris? Fuck you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Barbie. Let's go party.
2: Come on, Chris. No, I want you to say it. (laughs) The Barbie character in the song is going along with it because that's Barbie's image. She's just along for the ride. She's pretty. She's perfectly proportioned. Like, that's her whole thing. And I think that it's very tongue in cheek that, like, the female lyrics in this are embodying that. But I don't think that the... I mean, I, I think the song is very clearly a satire.
0: It's a joke.
2: Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't make this song if you were actually embodying Barbie and you were like, that's a cool character to make a song about. Like, it's obviously making fun of it. That's
3: interesting. I don't know, because there was... Would you like to hear it again
2: with that uh, No, thank you. Uh,
3: There was a... I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking of it, like, remembering, like, Marilyn Manson, like, doing things related to plastic... Plasticness and plasticity, like being like fake and plastic in a way that was kind of glorifying them mm-hmm. or glam and trying to glamorize them. Um, so for some reason, I kind of lumped this in with that.
2: Um, yeah, see, I mean, like the lyric life in plastic, it's fantastic, I think is making fun of like a plastic, kind of, like a superficial life. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think it's trying to say like, I actually like being a fake person. It's making fun of it. Mm -hmm.
0: This is the most anyone has ever (laughs) discussed. Yeah, we've
2: intellectualized this more than the people who wrote it. Yeah, I'm not even saying this is, like, a deeply felt song, but, I mean, I think there is a message to it, and that's one of the reasons I like it, is because, it, it, to me, it is a very empowering, like, song for women, in a way, of just, like, embodying (laughs) this really ridiculous... (laughs) Okay. (laughs) ...persona that Barbie is. And, I mean, women have been, like, compared to Barbies for like 50 years or something now. And (laughs) this song kind of takes that and makes fun of it. And I think that's cool, I guess. Okay, buddy. won us over. So my last note on Barbie Girl is that in 2000, Mattel filed a lawsuit claiming that Aqua had damaged the Barbie brand. Uh, But it was found that it fell under fair use. So the judge, Alex Kaczynski, ended the case with the statement, the parties are advised to chill. (laughs)
0: And then he put on a cool pair of shades and
3: went out on a skateboard. <laughs> he yeah. said, come on, Barbie, let's go party. And then smashed the gavel.
2: And rode off in a pink Corvette. All right, moving on to the most seamless transition ever. <laughs> and to the like, antithesis that. of,
0: this this of one, the previous song. This one song. was
3: what proved to me that someone at this company hated us.
2: Yeah, I have that in my notes. There's no better example of this album's poor arrangement than this coming directly after Barbie Girl. <laughs> this being Radiohead's Karma Police. <laughs>
1: What you get, this is what you get, this is what you get when you mess with us.
2: That was Karma Police by Radiohead. It was from the iconic 1997 album, OK Computer. Um, Yeah, it was a landmark album of the 90s, which I've never heard.
0: Um, Really? Wait, still?
2: Still? Oh, my.
0: Oh, well, that's a podcast. That's
2: that's an episode. So in 1996, Radiohead opened for a previous guest of the podcast, Alanis Morissette.
0: (laughs) Oh, wow. I wish I saw that.
2: Uh, for 13 shows in the US. During this, Boz Lerman approached Radiohead and gave them the last 30 minutes of his movie, Romeo and Juliet, for them to write some music to. So they wrote the song Exit Music for a Film, um, which plays over the end credits, but that also inspired the tone for a lot of this album. So um, you can thank Boz Lerman for <laughs> O.K. Computer. Thanks, Boz. And this music video was directed by Jonathan Glazer. Um, who directed the movie Under the Skin, and so he's known as a stylist of sorts. So mm-hmm. that is creepy notable.
0: imagery. Before.
2: Yes, and the video feels very kind of slow and moody, which I think the movie, his movies, also do.
0: Mm-hmm. So I, I don't really have nostalgia for this song because I honestly don't even need the '90s. I don't need to associate the '90s with it because I think if it were released today, it would be just as relevant just as good like people would like it just as much like it doesn't feel like a 90s song to me
3: yeah nothing on this album feels like a 90s song to me um you do mean uh radiohead and
2: not now this that's what i call music right okay
3: correct i mean okay (laughs) computer um and part of that is because i didn't hear okay computer until i was in high school so it was after the '90s, um, but also just like you said, Becky. Like for me, those songs absolutely transcend time and space. Um, and it was the the time in Radiohead's career when they started doing that because before they were very attached to like um, alt rock with like creep, uh, like alt rock and kind of grunge, and then they were very much like a Brit pop band when they had their second album, The Bends. Um so it was like so weird to see this on a compilation like oh this. Oh my god,
0: this song sticks out so much. It's
3: it Why sticks is this out. on here. It's so it's weird. So yeah. much
0: it sticks out. But you know what? Like, it's so funny because Radiohead Now is kind of like I don't wanna say they're a niche band because they're definitely huge, but it's like they don't give a shit about being on the radio. They care about their fans and the music they're creating and they they're doing their own thing. Um, and they're kind of on the sidelines now where they'll fill stadiums when they have shows and they'll, you know, sell a lot of albums, but like they don't care about being mainstream. But back no, in the nineties, they'll that
2: like yeah. specifically by like releasing their own albums on the internet instead of Traditional, yeah, means. yeah,
0: yeah, but like back in the '90s, they were on the Clueless soundtrack. They were on Romeo, Romeo and Juliet, like you said. Well, they actually they were
2: on MTV Spring Break on the album Romeo and Juliet. They were in the movie, but then they said, "Don't put us on." Oh, the album.
0: well, I know that song yeah. from the movie though.
2: But um. like, so they they still had that at the time, you know that they didn't want to be on the like popular movie soundtrack. Well, they're on Clueless. Well. <laughs> um Wait, they're yeah. on the Romeo and Juliet song- soundtrack with another song too,
3: um called Taksha Host.
0: Oh yeah, they are. Yeah, 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 that's how I know them too. Okay. Well. Yeah. Um but they were like really really big in the 90s oh, yeah. and I just they think it's really weird big. how their career has gone. So maybe at the time it made sense for this song to be on this album, but like knowing where they ended up, it's just it sticks out like a sore thumb.
2: Yeah. It actually sticks out, like, the only thumb that is not sore. (laughs) It is the healthy thumb of the album. Radiohead,
3: you win the healthy thumb for this album. That is
2: the title of their next album. The healthy thumb. The healthy thumb. Yeah, this song might have been my introduction to Radiohead. I didn't really listen to it until, I think, college. Like, somehow I found it. I don't remember where I would have heard it first. I think I just downloaded it somehow. But I always really liked this song. Um, It was definitely the Radiohead song that I played the most, And, yeah, I really like this song because it just sounds like such a potent threat. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. this is what you'll get. It's kind of like the Don't Fuck With Me song, but it's, like, subtle. calm. It's calm. Yeah, it's very calm. This is my kind of anger of just, like, you know, you say it calmly, like, fuck with me. This is what will happen. I'm not threatening you. I'm not going to be – I'm not going to raise my voice, but this is what you'll get. And I've always (laughs) appreciated the song for that because it does sound very menacing even though these lyrics – are not necessarily that sinister, but I just think that. Well, and something... it,
3: but he's also singing that line like through a smile. Yeah, you can exactly. like hear that he's like sneering
2: that line. Yeah. Yeah. It's Great. like the don't yeah. say I didn't warn you song. But I do think that talking about, like, I would like to talk about this whole album because I feel like this song would have a lot more meaning in terms of the whole album. Like, coming on an album like this, it's hard to even. Get into this song and what <laughs> yeah. it can mean because it's just yeah. so like coming right after Barbie Girl is just
3: it's so fucking bizarre. ridiculous. It's the most fucking <laughs> jarring thing. It's, it's incredible. So funny.
2: I mean, it's hard for me to say which between this and Barbie Girl is the deeper song <laughs> <laughs> and more meaningful, but um, they both contain multitudes, Chris Yeah. So we will move on to Everclear's "I Will Buy You a New Life." Yeah, I guess I'm doing okay.
1: The strangest guy, can you believe he actually thinks that I am really alive? I will buy you a garden where your flowers can bloom. I will buy you a new car, perfect, shiny and new. I will buy you that big house, where up in the West Hills.
2: Right, so that was Everclear. Um, I remember this very specifically from my time listening to uh, 107.7 The End, (laughs) which is a uh, radio station you would know if you watched the real world Seattle. Um, Yeah, this was... I did, and I did. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, This was one of my first albums. It was probably my first album by a male band um, because my first album was Tragic Kingdom by No Doubt. And I think that this might have been, like, the second album I ever bought. So this was a very formative um, album for me. Which album was it? So much for the afterglow.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah, I really liked Everclear for that like minute back then. And this was one of their singles that I didn't really love so much. The lyrics are kind of really incoherent and very like first draft. He's like, I will buy you a new car. Perfect, perfect shiny, shiny and new. new
2: that always bothered that bothered me back at the time too It's just that he says new twice mm-hmm. like you could easily find another word you could you could find another word
0: i think it's funny how much you guys listen to the lyrics for these songs because even the ones that i know all the lyrics to i'm not i don't i don't care <laughs> it's all about it's yeah. all about the hooks for me yeah. honestly it's all about the the passion that mm-hmm. behind the performance and the melodies and hooks
3: but also, I think his passion is not really... I mean, he ramps it up, obviously. And he is a good performer and singer, which is kind of one thing that drew me to them, aside from their hookiness. But, like, the hooks in this were also a bit more... Not cliche, but kind of things that I had already heard before. Mm-hmm.
0: I like the sound of his voice. Mm-hmm. I don't know the yeah. late singer's name. Art Alexakis. Art- Alex. Alex. I like the sound of his voice, um, but this is just kind of forgettable. Like, I don't think yeah. I'd turn it off, but it's I probably wouldn't turn it on. Song.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this album, So Much for the Afterglow, like, I could go through this album the way that you guys did for the Alanis, like, Jigged Hmm. Little Pill, just because, like, I listened to this album that much. I had not listened to it in a really long time, so when I was going through this, I wanted, I, like, previewed the whole thing. I I know I have the actual CD somewhere, but actually playing a CD is a lot of work these days. (laughs) Uh, So I went through it, and yeah, I this song and especially father of mine i think are the two that i like father the of least, kind how of. does father
0: of mine go father of father mine. of yeah. mine na, 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 where have you been na, na.
2: Something, okay something so i think those two kind of give everclear a bit of a bad rap just because especially father of mine like i think it's a good song but if you hear it enough times and you are only listening to the chorus it kind of kinda of sounds a little whiny, you know, it's just like my daddy left me. And that's sad he tells a full story. But, but that's
3: also like 87% of Everclear's songs. It's like Yeah. My mommy and daddy are not together and I'm very, very sad.
2: Well, so I was looking at that and like he had a rough life when he was a kid. He was bounced around from different family members. Um like he didn't have a stable home growing up. He got into drugs really early. And so That made me really appreciate even this song, even though this was never my favorite song on the album. I like most of the non-single tracks a lot more, but um, just like, it is really a kind of a sad song because it's about this guy, you know, he's in love with this woman, and if you just listen to the chorus, it's like, okay, he wants to buy her a new life, but the actual song is clearly like, he has no chance of doing that. Like, Mm -hmm. he's never going to be able to do this and he's basically lost this woman because he can't get his shit together. And is like, it, it's it's very much about, you know, like a very, uh, someone who's stuck in poverty and just can't get out and that, you know, drugs and, and whatever it is. And so I feel like this band is a little underrated in terms of, like, the 90s. Uh,
3: yeah, those. well, and they definitely did, like, address, like, domestic shittiness and how much that fucks you up as a kid in a very, like, direct and honest way. I think that was another thing that I kind of liked about them, mm-hmm. um, is that they were he was always, like, very upfront about that in his songwriting. I just didn't think that this was one of the most successful examples of it.
2: No, I don't either. Um, yeah, I think that, like, in terms of the content, they're very similar to Nirvana, It's just like Nirvana has a little bit more poeticism, I think, to their lyrics and maybe slightly more interest, like, musically in what they're... I mean, I think we will talk about that on a future episode, Mm -hmm. perhaps. But um, this song, I think, is one of the songs that simultaneously made them a huge band and also ruined their reputation. And Mm -hmm. I think Father of Mine is even more like that because... There's a lot of... I mean, I think Harvey Danger is kind of like that, too. It's like you get known for the one poppy song and everyone's like, oh, you're a one-hit wonder and they don't listen to the rest of your album. Mm. Blur. And you have all of this like really interesting material. Yeah. And I think Everclear does have that. Like they have a lot of really interesting things to say and like this guy was not posing like he actually had a really hard life and he was writing things that were true to him and i think this album reflects that and it just is kind of unfortunate that it gets boiled down to a couple of singles that when you don't even really like examine them too closely just kind of sound like whining a little bit and on to another seamless transition to Lenny Kravitz <laughs> fly away i want to get away
1: Fly away.
2: That was Fly Away by Lenny Kravitz, which makes me want to fly away. (laughs) (laughs) My note on this song is yuck. Yuck! I hate this song. Oh
0: wow. It's a
2: terrible song. I don't think Um... it's
0: bad. It just makes me think of like commercials or like or selling something. makes me want to
3: buy a minifan.
0: Like, it's just, yeah, it's just kind of like a song that exists to be in commercials.
3: Um, So, like, Lenny Kravitz has actually had a career spending many, several decades, mm-hmm. like, three decades now. Um, His first, like, big single was, uh, It Ain't Over Till It's Over. And that was from, like, 1988? And, like, 92, something like that. Really early. Um, and that's awesome. And he plays, like, every instrument on that. Like, he's made a lot of really good music. But he's kind of settled into this, like, minivan commercial groove. Yeah. Um, and that brought him a lot of success for a little while. But he's kind of disappeared since then. Because I think he got kind of stuck in that.
0: he has been acting a little bit. Yeah, in the yeah. Past years.
2: Hunger Games, yeah. Right? I remember, yeah. So I remember specifically sitting on a school bus. I believe it was in 10th grade. Hearing this song on the radio and thinking to myself that I hate it specifically because of the words, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you couldn't think of other words to fit there besides, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, I was just like, that doesn't mean anything. Like, I remember getting angry (laughs) listening to the song. Like, I could write a better song than this.
3: Um, I think it's especially great when he rhymes the words sky with high.
2: Oh, no, I have the lyrics here. I'm going to read them for you because (laughs) they are god-awful. Please do. They're so great. I wish that I could fly into the sky so very high, (laughs) just like a dragonfly. Just like it. I'd fly above the trees, over the seas, in all degrees, to anywhere I please. Oh, I want to get away. I want to fly away. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to get away. I want to fly away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This
0: is why the lyrics... Aren't really important, honestly. You put that to like a song with an amazing melody and hook, then you don't care.
3: Then why sing words? Yeah. <laughs> you have the option of noises. <laughs> Oi, yo, yo, yo. I like some songs
1: that are just exactly.
3: <laughs>
2: why didn't Lenny Kravitz's hit song, yo, yo, yo? I mean, this really should have been on Pure Moods.
1: Oi, yo, yo, yo,
0: I mean, it's like forgettable, but also memorable at the same time. <laughs>
2: I it mean, just I kind remember of it, so I guess, <laughs> yeah. but, but I not only remember yet. it because I hated it so much, and I, like, used to get annoyed every time it would come on. Um, but starting with this song, he won the Grammy for a male rock performance four years in a row. Wow. Damn. Yeah. So Holy that's shit. impressive. Um, Who else was
0: making rock at this point?
2: I looked at the other nominees. They were all much older, like John Mellencamp, Bob Dylan, wow. like those kind of people. So he really stood out in that category amongst those people. Um yeah, but I would I don't like this song. So moving on to some sex and candy from Marcy Playground. It's our last one. It is indeed. <laughs> Feels like we just started. I think I've aged a year. <laughs> <laughs> oh. My face is
3: all Raiders of the Lost Ark melted now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Hanging round. Town by myself, and I had so much time to sit down and think about myself, and then there she was
1: like double cherry pie, yeah. There she was,
0: like disco super flying.
1: I smell sex and can be here.
2: Who's lounging in my chair? Who's in my direction? Mama, this is a dream. Yeah. So that was Sex and Candy. That, for some reason, is the closer of this album. Even
0: though <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a downer. and
2: really a note is a downer. <laughs> uh, we just watched the video, or at least part of it, which had tarantulas running through it, which... Did not make me happy because that was gross um, and not sexy or candy-like. <laughs> um, this, yeah, this song really depresses me when I hear it. I,
0: I think that's the intention.
2: Yeah, it reminds me of like a general like train spotting kind of mood. <laughs> like it I can really definitely does, yeah. see this song yes. in train spotting. Um, it's just kind of a general bummer, even though like the lyrics <laughs> of the song are not sad. They're actually like pretty chipper. They're talking about like disco lemonade and double cherry pie. Which is hmm. not, doesn't mean anything, but at le- they're not sad lyrics, but this song itself just sounds like I'm really depressed. I'm doing heroin. <laughs> it's the night Is 90s. that what the song is about? It's not about heroin, no, but that's just what it sounds like to me.
0: Hmm. I definitely remember this song. Um, it's kind of up there with The Way by Fastball. Mm. Like when I think of The Way, I think of Sex and Candy. I think they're on the, uh, like on the the radio at the same time or TRL Oh definitely
2: music I, th- videos. I really think they were They were on the same now that's what I call music Yeah CDs, well exactly so.
0: but um, I think I just also think of them together um, and I think it's
3: And their singers look almost identical
0: Yeah maybe that's it too I think it's most memorable for the chorus it's kind of just like mumble 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 and then I smell six and candy and then everybody like sings along to that Yeah um, It's in, like another another one hit wonder that's kind of like leftover grunge but mm-hmm. I like it
2: So, the title, uh, like the lyrics from this song, come from the lead singer John Wozniak's girlfriend's roommate, who walked in on them and said, It smells like sex and candy in that dorm room. (laughs) And that's all that the song means. It smells like sex and candy. Yeah. And and then she said uh, something about disco lemonade, I'm pretty sure. There no, um, the Makes rest sense. of the, the song is really just about seeing a girl and falling in love with her. So it's not a very notable song. And I think it's funny, like you compare this to the way that is a song that is actually about something like horrifically depressing <laughs> and manages to sound kind of a beat. And this is a song that's about something
0: totally beat, normal yeah. and
2: it just sounds like slitting your wrists.
0: yeah, it's, it sounds way sadder than what that is. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I sex and ca- sex and candy
3: are fantastic. I don't know why those would make you so dour. If if you didn't have any,
0: maybe you don't have sex and candy?
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, there's a store for where at least one of those. (laughs) Well, I think, like, this really sums up the 90s for me. Like, the sound of this particular song is just, like, it's a general bummer. Everyone's (laughs) depressed. They're not singing about anything that's particularly depressing. They don't necessarily have a good reason for sounding depressed. They just are. And... Like, I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> like, like, that eventually phased out, but that's just kind of, I feel like this song really sums that up just because it, it, the sound of it is so different from what they're actually singing about.
3: hmm Yeah.
2: Okay, so I do have a bit of a playtime for us, but it is mostly just questions that we can discuss. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly. <laughs> mostly. <laughs> so I would say, which song is the most 90s in a good way?
0: Most '90s in a good way, in a good way.
2: Gotta look back at my notes.
3: <laughs>
2: so for me, it's Sex and Candy. Is like that's the one that just. Which
3: song on this compilation? Yes, is the
2: most '90s. Yes. Okay.
0: I mean, I guess say say you'll be there.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Very ni- very '90s, but I love it to death still.
2: Mm-hmm. And what about most '90s in a bad way?
0: Um, in a bad way. I mean, probably like Mbop because it's such a joke of a song mm-hmm. even though i don't think it's a terrible song but it's just like it'll never be anything outside of the 90s
2: that is true i'm gonna go with all my life because it just puts me right back there <laughs> like that i think all my life and sex and candy for some reason are the two that put me like literally like shoot me back into the 90s and mm-hmm. i feel like i am 14 or however old i was again and it's mm-hmm. Just makes me uncomfortable and I want to leave immediately.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Get me back to the future now. <laughs> uh, but I'm pretty much split between your responses because Say You'll Be There so epitomizes the 90s and also like the way that, especially like group pop music, was produced at the time. Mm-hmm. But then again, all my life, it is also like such a flashback song that that's kind of, I think, the 90s and the worst, as is Umbop. Um I, yeah. <laughs> Mbappe is just
2: so which song <laughs> do you feel like is the most current for me it's Flagpole Sitta. like that sounds like a song that could just come out today and no one would know the difference
0: oh it's Karma Police
2: yeah I definitely would say Karma it's Karma Police. Police I could go with that too uh, what song would you play before going out <laughs> can you guess what song <laughs> I would play before going I out I
0: think that you'd play Barbie Girl in front of everything I, <laughs> before doing I anything do? <laughs> Um, say say you'll be there
3: It depends on on where I'm going. Where am I going?
0: A funeral or a
1: date?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Either way, it's pretty interchangeable. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) One way or another, Karma (laughs) Police. I think we know Seth's answer to every single (laughs) question on this. (laughs) Uh, What song would you put on to set the mood? (laughs) (laughs) Asked and answered. Karma Police for Uh, Seth.
0: Pure Mood Soundtrack.
2: (laughs) Zoot
3: Suit Riot. (laughs) Sail Away. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry.
2: (laughs) flow. Oh, it would have to be all my life. I mean. Oh, really? Oh, my God. That's the mood that I would, like, shrivel up into a ball and cry in the corner (laughs) while someone asks, are you okay?
3: Actually, (laughs) my my sex mix starts with, are you ready for this? Jock jams, okay. Yeah, I I just put on jock jams.
2: (laughs) So for this one, I picked Shorty. You keep playing with my mind, because I do find that (laughs) song a little bit boring. But it's so boring that I could tune it out.
3: So boring. <laughs> Much like you're tuning out the person that you're in bed
2: with. You know. Uh, <laughs> which song, if it came on, would kill the mood? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's Barbie uh, Girl. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Or
2: Bob, I mean, yeah. <laughs> the joke songs. Okay, well, I went... Well, Why don't you go, Seth?
3: Yeah, it really is either of those. I mean, there are a lot of other things here that could really destroy a boner, too, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Zoot Suit Riot's not going to do anyone any favors <laughs> that's, that's
2: what I went with But I also feel like Sex and Candy is just so depressing Yeah And it, it's, like, too on topic Like, Yeah I think that would really do it, too
3: Yeah, like, I feel like Sex and Candy is, like, at best, like a
2: like, a boner on antidepressants Which song would you banish for all time and wipe off the face of the earth?
0: Oh, man Again,
2: do I have to pick one? I yep. mean,
0: Shorty's boring, but, like, you know it's
2: not banishable. I it's, mean, you can banish benign. it.
0: It's benign. Yeah. It's just boring.
2: You know what's malignant? Barbie Girl. <laughs> don't, you it would ruin my life if you banished that for all It's going
0: to have to be Barbie Girl. Out of this selection. Well,
2: it's unanimous.
0: Out of the selection.
2: It's, it's not unanimous. <laughs> I don't agree.
1: <laughs> it's
3: too unanimous. <laughs> Thanks, Donald <to> Trump.
2: <laughs> uh, Sad. Well, for me, it is Fly Away. I would definitely get rid of that song. Mm. And the world would be better for it. <laughs> And what song is most ashamed to be on this album? Oh, it's Karma Police. <laughs> it's
0: definitely also
2: Karma, Karma Police, Police. Is like,
0: uh, I'm sorry, we walked in on the wrong, <laughs> like, oh, I'm wrong so album. Sorry. Oh my god, I'm so sorry.
2: I believe we go next door. <laughs> oh, we no longer want to be called music. <laughs> if this is music, we would prefer to be called something else now.
3: <laughs> we we're actually going on the compilation entitled No.
0: What would the what would the equivalent be today, of like? an artist surrounded by this kind of pop. I don't know. Is there even an answer for that? Like who? Radiohead. Is, like Radiohead still? <laughs> like, Wasn't their last single called Burn the Witch or something? Yeah. Like ha- having that on on a compilation yes. with like Ari- Ariana, Grande. Ariana Grande and Bruno Mars with like Burn the Witch.
2: <laughs> Radiohead. Uh, yeah, still Radiohead. So I think the song most ashamed to be on this album with the rest of those poor things is Barbie Girl. No, I'm just kidding. It's, I put Karma, please, too. It's just the one that, like, really should not be here. One of these things is not like any of the others. All right, so my last question is just a general question for us, inspired a little bit by Barbie Girl. (laughs) God damn it. Life in plastic. Was it fantastic? (laughs) Do we miss it, or do we prefer the digital age? So do you guys miss, like, having physical CDs and all that, or are we glad that everything is just digital now?
0: i don't miss it no i don't think i miss it because i can don't have to rewind a tape (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. i don't
0: know i don't have i can carry around six thousand songs with me on my iPod so
2: yeah that was really heavy back then
0: (laughs) (laughs) i mean i remember like i when i i lived in australia for a month um the first time i ever went there and i could only carry like 10 CDs with me. So I could only listen to 10 CDs that whole month. And by the end of the month, I was so bored because it was 2003 and I had a disc man. And like the next time I went back there, I went with my iPod and I had thousands of songs and like, I still have an iPod and it's like never a problem anymore. So I guess, no, this is better now.
1: Okay.
3: Seth. So there are a lot of things about having the physical artifacts of music that I don't miss. I think it was absurd that you would ever have to pay $18 for a CD. We were watching the Pure Moods commercial, and it was like $18 mm-hmm. for one CD. And those cost like less than nine or 10 cents to manufacture, including all the packaging and artwork and everything. Mm hmm. And I just felt like the commercialization of the format of CDs really was so warped compared to records where you did have a lot of expense that went into making a quality product and like that really big, beautiful artwork. That, I think, is such a more tangible way of experiencing music that in the CD era never really made sense. But at the same time, I miss the social interactions that having music be a physical product like inherently causes. I miss listening to music as kind of a communal thing, listening to new music that I haven't heard before as a communal thing. I never really do that anymore. And I don't think it's as big of a deal in an age where literally an algorithm can just pick stuff for you, including trying to guess at stuff that you haven't heard before but might like. And I think that takes a lot of the magic out of discovering new music. And I also think there's something a bit inherently more disposable about being able to have literally every song that you would ever want to have with you at all times. There's Mm -hmm. something about the temporality of having that physical artifact, and like, if you don't have that physical artifact, there's a bit of scarcity. You can't access that one particular song instantaneously at any time. And I don't know if it devalues music to not have that, but it kind of seems like it makes it a little bit less magical to me.
2: Yeah, I mean, I... The convenience of digital is nice but i i think i listen to less music now than i did back then possibly that's just because of age and i'm doing other things and when you're a teenager you don't have necessarily as much to do except for sit around and listen to music but i do kind of miss that sense that you had your albums and you had you know like 30 albums or however many you had and like those are the ones that you listen to and they became like so attached to you and and there was this sense that like everyone was listening to the same music as you. And, like this CD works because we all listened to almost all of these songs, we knew them all. And now I just don't think it's like that. Like everyone can go off into their own corner and listen to their own kind of music. And there's not necessarily, like there are a few songs, like everyone knows Justin Timberlake's Can't Stop the Music or whatever mm-hmm. that's called. You know, like- Can't Stop
0: the feeling. That's
2: Whatever. <laughs> we got the beat. It's generic. It's, yeah. no one cares. But you don't have that same sense that everyone is listening to only these songs. Like that just that song happened to permeate, but that's there's only a few songs that do that every year now. I think, and people are just segmented. And I I kind of miss like I don't know what it'll be like in twenty years, but I don't think in twenty years people will look at now sixty one and be like, oh yeah, those twenty tracks like those were mm-hmm. really it like at all. And so I think it's nice that, I mean, this album is terrible in terms of its arrangement and (laughs) like curation is just really random. Um, It makes no sense as a cohesive album, but I think it is kind of nice as an artifact to be able to look back at this particular moment and say, yeah, I definitely heard all of these songs at this time. That was what was playing. This is the soundtrack of 1998. Um, Mm -hmm. I still have all my old CDs, but I never play them because I don't I guess I could play them on like my Blu-ray player, I think, <clears> but like it's just it's I can't put them on my computer anymore because I don't even have a CD-ROM in my laptop, so it's just impossible for me to play it. So I, yeah, I mean, I, I still kind of I think I would listen to those albums if I had those. Whereas like there's a lot of stuff on my iTunes that I just never want to listen to. So good old '98. All right, so our next episode is going to be a revisit to the 80s with uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Which is not called Whom Framed Roger Rabbit, unfortunately. (laughs) Dost thou frame Roger Rabbit?
3: (laughs) Well, that's all the moods and the jocks and the what's that we have time for today on When We we All Jock. (laughs) Don't we all? The When We Were Young podcast is a production of the MFP Studio Studio in Los Angeles, California. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I would urge you to subscribe to it on the iTunes and to also leave us a 4 or 5 or 900 star review there. If you'd like to follow us on the social medias, You can check us out on Facebook at www.yshow. You can see us on Twitter at www.yshow. You can email us at www.yshow at gmail.com if you have any suggestions for future episodes of the show. And finally, if you'd like to contribute to defraying the cost of a show that we produce and bring you entirely for free, you can donate to us at our Patreon at patreon.com slash young. I have been Seth.
0: I'm Becky.
2: I'll be Chris. I thought you were a Barbie girl. Life in Plastic is fantastic. He's not sick, but he's not well. I'm an amputee, <laughs> god damn you. hoyo, hoyo. Hoyo, Hoia, Yay, oh. we did it.